0: welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, December 15th. We are here live. We, uh, we are doing a space today because our phone system decided to, uh, take a vacation today. I thought I was the one that needed a vacation, but, uh, I'm here. Our phone system failed to show up. So we thought we would punt and try plan B so we can at least, uh, finish out the week with the show here so uh thanks everybody for joining us if you want to jump in if you've got a question a comment anything at all uh find the uh the button there on your app that says request to speak and i will bring you in we may potentially have some guests here this morning the same guests we had lined up for the uh for the live show But uh, I'm not sure if we've scrambled fast enough to make all those arrangements or not. So um, I have some things I could certainly talk about, but I could probably talk for a couple hours with everything that's been going on. But um, I didn't really have a whole lot planned because we had... uh, some guests um joel and henry and alec may be joining us i'm not sure we'll see about that so uh, if we have people that want to jump in now i'll bring you in uh we're just going to kind of wing it today so uh matt i see you are here and requesting to speak so good morning and uh what's on your mind today
1: uh were you talking to me kevin
0: I was. Can you hear okay. me?
1: Yeah, when it right. when it connects, there's a big beep and a delay, so I don't hear you for about two seconds.
0: <laughs> okay, but good.
1: Uh, well, I'll just start with uh, yesterday's show, a follow up, and you. I think your mind went down the wrong track when you were talking to Jeremy with his uh, 401k and IRA, and which I, we all I, throw I, terms out there and we use them wrong, so. The, the people that know him right, then we get confused.
0: I felt like I was confused at the – I it, I either missed something at the beginning because every time I would say something, I thought, well, that's not right based on what he's saying, and I'm not sure if I ever got on track.
1: Well, yeah, because I, I, he's a regular caller, and we know him. Right. I think you forgot he's a company driver. He's not
0: an owner-operator. That – that was the first mistake yep. i in my mind i was thinking and, and especially when he said 401k roth because those are pretty rare in employer plans
1: they're starting to get i wouldn't say common but they're
0: they're coming right around. but yeah they're rare well they must because he had one but for in my mind i was thinking they were owner operators and then i was thinking the 401k roth was his own not an employer plan. So that was the first place I got off track.
1: So first part is uh, 90 some percent sure I've got his story accurate. Uh, Both him and Tammy are team drivers. So they're both employees. So they get a 4% match. So they should have that going for each of them individually. And then they should be doing the IRA, which you said he's doing that in a Roth. For each of them, which is 6,500 this year, I believe. And it's going its going right. up again for 2024. I don't remember. And I'm pretty sure they're under 50. I don't think they're that old. I don't know their ages. But, it, you know, once you hit 50, then you can do another 1,000 into there. Right. So, yeah, it's after that was his question. You know, what do we do next? <laughs> <laughs> and that that's where... Yeah, you requested. You know, you're going to have to see his options inside it, of his 401k to see if it's even worth putting more in there.
0: And it's probably not. But he, here's this is exactly why I started group coaching. Yep. This is one of those where it, it's almost impossible to know what the right answer is until I can see all these. Because, like you said, I, I may we may not even be using the right terms.
1: Yeah, because he kept saying Roth. When he was meaning right. to say IRA, and then going back and forth between a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA, that's,
0: yes. people think it's the same thing, <laughs> but it's, you know. It's, you know how we could solve all this confusion? Because <laughs> we're only mentioning maybe two or three types of accounts yep. here. We could throw in a simple a SEP IRA 403 B's. I mean, we could throw in all kinds of other tax deferred accounts that make this even more complicated. You know, what would be really nice?
1: Uh, Well, the fair tax basically eliminates (laughs) all
0: these stupid
1: government (laughs) programs that are uh, revolved around the tax code.
0: Let's think about this. Two of the big thing I just posted about this other issue this morning, the independent contractor rule. If we could get a fair tax, the independent contractor rule could be really simplified. We would still need something in place to determine an, an employee, or a, but mostly it wouldn't matter for Social Security or, or Medicare anymore. It would only matter for things like maybe workers comp, and, and we could solve all those easy. Nobody would have to say, I'm an employee or an independent contractor. We'd all be the same. You just go to work and you get paid and you get all of the money, and then you pay the tax as you buy stuff. So that would solve the independent contractor issue that we're fighting with. And all of these tax deferred accounts, and, and the list is incredibly long and complicated, they would all go away, and we could all just save and invest money any way we wanted to. Yeah, You know, when you read the the Fair Tax books, which I thought were excellent, Neil Bortz wrote a couple of them. I don't know if anybody's written anything since then. But those issues aren't even mentioned.
1: No. You,
0: you could do a chapter on each one of those issues and how, how good this would be for that.
1: Yeah, I think the only time they ever come close to covering like independent contractors, they're talking about the black market and <laughs> prostitutes. That's, that's where they bring that up.
2: Because... <laughs>
1: Nobody files that on their tax return of income earned in, in that line of work. Well,
0: yeah, all of the black market stuff, drugs, prostitution, all of that, It it is completely untaxed now. But those people spend all of their money, yep. right? Like, they're not known to be big savers and investors. They spend every penny they make. So if you institute a fair tax all of the illegal activity that isn't taxed becomes taxed. Correct. Yeah.
1: Everybody that spends money will be paying their, you know, we hate this term, but their fair share.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. So much simpler. The IRS goes away. Uh, You know, we've talked about it before. More than likely, if the federal government instituted a fair tax, the states would follow because if they don't, they would have to create their own complex tax system that doesn't depend on the federal tax return. Almost every state right now piggybacks off the federal tax return.
1: Yeah, and majority of the states, you're in one of the oddball, well, maybe the only one left that doesn't have a sales tax. So
0: right. The states so the, are the mechanism
1: are kind of already doing it. Just it's different than the fair tax setup. Yeah,
0: there. Yeah, many of them have both. But it would go to the states, would be insane to try to maintain their state income tax. Yes. They can just get rid of it, move it to their state sales tax, which already exists, and this becomes really simple.
1: Yep. So the whole cost of even complying, which goes away for the individual, it comes down to just businesses. Right. It's a simple calculation. It's not a complicated one. It's
0: not at all. So yeah, it's one number. The whole it, it, collection. It's this number times this percentage and we're yep. done.
1: So the, the whole cost to even comply gets simple and the collection becomes simple because the, the collection point goes way, way down for the government to go in and collect.
0: I have another idea. It, not that i believe in the the idea that there's a truck driver shortage but if people want to believe that we can fix it we'll turn all the ira s agents into truck drivers because they're going to need a job
1: <laughs> yeah well we we definitely have a shortage of qualified truck drivers out here because i've seen two upside down already yeah. today
0: yeah and I, i'm in the yeah. south in yeah. clear weather <laughs> yeah that's bad that's bad but here's another question. What are we going to do with all those guns we bought for the IRS agent?
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I don't.
0: Gun, gun sales are never a problem in this country. If they, if they go to the open market, it'll they'll, they'll, they'll get they'll sold. Sell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So um, what, what a mess. So, you know, since we're on that topic sort of, it was a different reason, but we're still talking about what's going on with the independent contractor rule. I posted today on X and also on Trucking Tribe that New Jersey has a case coming up right now. And this is the ports and drage, which it is a different world down there. But I I read the the basics of their contract and New Jersey is saying they're not independent contractors and you're going to have to make them employees. I went in and read their contract. I don't see anything any different than any other lease agreement with an owner operator and a carrier. They they do own their own equipment. I thought this may have been some goofy lease purchase thing and they were trying to say they didn't really own the equipment. But according to the lease, they have to own equipment. And so, sure, they have it says, oh, they have to put placards on the door and they have to be scheduled for. Well, that's common everybody has to put a placard on the door. Everybody has, every carrier can schedule you. And you look at, you know, FedEx has fought this many, many times and won every time, but FedEx maintains more control than almost anybody else. I know you have to wear their uniform at all times. You have to have your truck painted, not just white, but technically they have a very specific white. When I would buy trucks, I would use their paint code to get the right color of white. I mean, that's how much control they exert. And yet they've, they've been through this. And as long as they pay the IRS off every 10 years or so, the IRS says, okay, it's fine. They're independent contractors. Well, if, if New Jersey wins this case, then every single carrier in the country is gonna have to worry about this.
1: Yeah, it's this whole Pro Act. I I would have thought it would have died quickly, but it's I, I don't know the year anymore because it's four or five years it's been around. It, it's yeah. not going away. It's this is I think going to be a fight till till who knows when.
0: Well, if we look at the the pattern, it's pretty clear. AB five would they were not able and still not able are, are able to beat AB five went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court just refused to hear it. So then it goes back to the Ninth Circuit, and as long as that stays in the Ninth Circuit, we're never going to beat it. The Ninth Circuit is horribly liberal and progressive, so we're not going to win that case. And now we've got a case on the other side of the country and i'm sure if new jersey wins that there will be groups to fight it and it will go through the court system and more than likely the supreme court will refuse to hear it and we'll be stuck with the ruling from the lower court so there's several bills in congress now over this there are many states looking at this harder all the time so one of the things we've been doing for a couple of years now mostly after ab5 was looking at what's the solution because I don't want to see a couple hundred thousand owner operators be forced out of business by a stupid government rule. I I just don't understand why as adults we're not allowed to choose how we work and get paid. I just don't understand that at all. Who cares other than me if I have to pay my own taxes and buy my own workers comp and I agree to all those things, why can't I?
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, we focus on the trucking side, Right. which has maybe an easy out. I mean, it's certainly we- not simple to get your own authority, but uh, it's, it's one option I think some other industries probably don't so, have.
0: They don't. Why, why does right. it
1: matter? Yeah.
0: Well, you're right. In in all these other industries, um, and maybe, you know, I don't know about some of these. There, there's one I'm aware of that uses a lot of independent contractors. Um, places like Lowe's and Home Depot. You know, you go in and you buy your carpet and they say, you know, we'll install it for you. Those are almost never Home Depot. They may never be, as far as I know. They just have a list of independent contractors that do carpeting and tile and windows and as far as I know, those guys are not only allowed to work for Home Depot. I think they're also allowed to do whatever they want otherwise. And if that's the case, what's wrong with that? That That isn't even really an independent contractor in my book. That's just a small business.
1: Yeah, that's always been my understanding of that. It's, you know, here's a list of contractors. Right. You know, they have nothing to do with Lowe's or Home Depot.
0: Yeah, it's just like they, a recommendation are, almost. You know, Right. So, if if that's the case, this this these types of laws shouldn't affect them. But most of the case law, they're I think they're going after independent contractors like that. Even so, at that point, what is the determining factor? Hey, hey, Henry. I think if you're really loud, if you could mute yourself, maybe I'll mute. Hang on up. Uh, I muted you. You're really loud right now. So um, we'll we'll uh, we'll bring you back in when it's time to talk. If you could get to a quieter environment, that would help. Matt, are you still there? Yep. Okay. Um, So, and I guess I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that because it really doesn't affect us. I'm just curious about it. But what I have been spending a lot of time on, and this last trip really gave me all of the pieces I need to finish an idea that I've had, my God, I'll bet it's been at least 15 years since the first time I wrote this idea down and started working on it. And I never really pulled the trigger on it because I didn't think there would be enough demand for it. But if this happens, this idea would absolutely explode. And what I'm talking about, I'm going to use a word that once we start to put this program together, we won't be able to use this word anymore. But I used it because I helped I think it really helps people understand what I'm talking about. So the word I'm going to use right now, and then it will probably never be a part of the program, is the word franchise. So if you buy a franchise, it is basically a business in a box. All the issues have been worked out. There are absolute systems for everything for finding the right location, the how you put up the building is all set for you, you don't have any choices, all of your marketing is done, all of your vendors are already set up, you know exactly who you're going to be buying all of your supplies from, insurance is taken care of. All you do is buy into the franchise and turn the key and start the business. Now, the difference in what I'm talking about, there is one major difference. And that's why we would never use the word franchise because then we would fall under franchise laws and they get really complicated and expensive. So I want to use the model and the concept, but not call it a franchise. And then there's one major difference in a franchise, you are forced into that system and you can't change it you can't decide you want a different vendor for your tires or or whatever you can't decide you're going to change the uniform or the menu or anything you have no choices in those things you just are there to run the business the way they designed it ours will be completely opposite you're not forced into anything this is your independent business but the model is there for all of those things. Here's where and how you buy equipment and how you should spec it for each different operation. We'll we'll put all of the, I already have it all in place. I have about 90% of this program done. And this trip between Nastic and being um, back under contract with truckstop.com again, I have every piece I need to put together a program from cradle to grave, even to the point where if you aren't even a driver yet, we will take you through the entire program and make you a carrier, and you will have the option of everything you need along the way. Here's how you get your authority. Here's how you file your BOC3. Here's the best insurance we can find for a single truck owner operator. Here's the best fuel program in the industry. Here is the Load board for when you need a load, but even better, here's a private broker network already vetted that you can work with. We have everything in place, and if this continues and it looks like it's going to, we may pull. And and then what I'm going to do is wrap that all up into a probably like a six-month virtual training program. Where, where I just do virtual training every week and I throw six months out there because I haven't tried to schedule all of the material yet. It may actually be more. I would even include all of the CMC material in this and roll it out as a, as a training program, a course uh, taught live, but virtually. And like I said, you pick and choose which parts of this you want. It's your business, you get to choose But if you wanted to run it just like a franchise where we've found the best of everything, we absolutely know this works. How many franchises fail? Very few. Most people that buy a franchise stay in business.
1: Yeah, even the bad ones are good enough that you can stay in business. You're going to struggle, but they're not. Yeah, you're not going to fail quickly.
0: Yeah, you have to
1: make. A lot of other bad decisions that you're going to struggle along until you finally decide it's not worth it
0: right right so you know right now i'm just kind of throwing it out as a a teaser but i spent a lot of time over the last two months working with companies like nastic and truckstop.com and talking about this idea and when i really put it on paper and if you were to just say, hey, look, I, I don't want to mess with insurance. Why would I need to go look for a fuel card? I don't need to go sample 18 different PMSs and accounting systems. Why don't I just pick everything they gave me here? And when I run through the numbers, you know what the business report starts to look like? Well, it geez. starts to look like yours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's, there, there's an awful lot of profit in this if you do it right.
1: Oh, that's, <laughs> I've had other business ideas throughout my life, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, so I start running numbers on stuff, and I always keep coming back. There's a lot, it's a lot easier to make money owning a truck than all the and, other ideas out there that I've looked at.
0: And not only easier... But we talk about this a lot. You and I and and many other people in here drive truck for a reason, right? No. We don't want to be in an office. We don't want to be in a retail store dealing with people every day. We like to drive trucks for a reason. And and if you do this right, there's so much potential for profit. I, I mean, I'm even running this in today's freight market with today's rates. And it still looks really good.
1: Yeah, and that's, I see Joel just popped in here, it's something I want to kind of talk to him about, but I'll yeah, let uh, Joel, good Joel and Henry get uh, in, uh, pulling into a way station.
3: I, All right. How you doing? Good, good, have you been listening? I just got on and I just caught the tail end of everything here. Got it, alright, so
0: uh, we're on spaces today because our phone system took a vacation. Gotcha. So we're, we're kind of just doing our our trucking technology and efficiency and Friday free-for-all on here instead.
3: Always good to have a plan B, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Any
0: more the way technology's been going, I think I need to
3: create plan C and B, too. <laughs> I got damn North Koreans and Russians, I'm telling you. <laughs> I know. I
0: think they're hacking
3: us. They don't like our mess. That's right. They want to screw up the supply chain goods, so they're coming right right. So
0: so where, where did you come in? Because I want to continue where I was, but I want to get you up to speed. And Henry, yeah, I was. I think Henry heard most of it. I was just right there. Oh, good. Yeah. So, and the reason I've been looking at this, and it's not new. I I think I came up with this idea about 15 years ago, and I've been putting pieces in place here and there ever since. But the crazy push on the independent contractor model right now, New Jersey, I posted, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I posted the New Jersey case right now, Mm -hmm. and New Jersey's going after the whole independent contractor model in the ports, but Mm -hmm. when I read their lease agreement, it's not that different from any other lease agreement I've ever seen in trucking. Gotcha. It's not a a weird lease purchase. These guys are actually required to buy and own equipment. And, And... you know, in the twenty-one question test from the IRS, that's one of the biggest factors. You own sure. the equipment you use to do your job, and but right. then they talk about well, they they are required to put placards on their truck. Well, well, who isn't? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you open a
4: McDonald's, you're required to put a McDonald's sign in front of it. Uh,
0: absolutely. I, so that and that's kind of why I came up with the franchise model, and and you know. I don't know why we couldn't do a full-blown franchise program if we wanted. And, and I may even start to think through that idea. But I'm almost, I'm almost talking about the anti-franchise. It's exactly it, – it's all the good parts of a franchise well, that we've figured out all best practices. We found the best products and services you need to run the company. We've, we've grouped together and gotten all kinds of great discounts and buying power like franchises. But one big difference. In a franchise, you're forced into all of it. In our model, you pick and choose. Do whatever you want. It's your business.
3: So, so Kevin, what you've essentially done here is – Exactly, kind of what I've done is you've taken your total number of years' experience, just like I took my 35 years' experience in the industry before I started Alpha Drivers Transportation. I went and talked to everybody I knew that knew anything, um, and done essentially what you're talking about. I know. You know this is going to work, this is going to work, this isn't going to work, and and put it all together. So essentially, what you're giving people is about 35 to 40 years of experience in the industry, and they can be coming in as a newbie and and pick up all that, which is pretty awesome.
0: And the power of the partnerships with the buying power, I've already got all of those things in place, the private network of brokers, the fuel discounts, the best insurance you can find. Uh, We're putting together, a special set of tools on a load board just for this program, and then I would wrap it all up in a training program that that I would deliver virtually, and it would be cradle to grave. Here's how you buy your first truck, here's how you expand into a multi-truck carrier if you choose to.
3: So, not getting into the, the details like you're talking about, essentially, if I was in the industry, which I guess I am, so... Looking at it from a high-level view, what you essentially have done here is you've given the owner-operator the power to leverage both efficiency and economies of scale, which owner-operators have never been able to leverage economies of scale before. So now this really puts you on a a much stronger footing than even the big fleets because the big fleets have a rough time leveraging efficiency, something that we would be – excellent at and now you're you're throwing in the economies of scale on top of it so uh yeah pretty good plan well i often thought about
4: that same thing kevin that instead of having it that you leased on to a carrier that it even that was as a franchise because now now you got some ownership in it
0: and right right Yeah, I think there is room to expand into a more formal franchise, even for some people that that would want that. I love the idea of here's the franchise model, but you get to pick and choose It's your business. You run it however you want. We'll just show you all of the best practices. We'll give you access to the training and we'll get you access to the to the buying power. But you get to choose. And by the way, just so you two know, you two are a part of this idea. Okay. Yes, yeah, there's what? there's a piece <laughs> in here that I, I need to talk to you guys about that, that I want you involved in this.
4: Look forward to that. And and by the way, while I'm thinking about that, after I got done trying to get through the technology to get on the call, thanks very much for the Christmas gift. I feel like I need to go out and get paramedic training now, though. That That's an extensive first aid kit. I like,
0: isn't that the most amazing first aid kit you've ever seen here's the cool thing though every product inside i don't know if you noticed it or not there's a lot of stuff in there yes. everything has a qr code and you point your phone at the qr code and you'll get a video on how to use that product in an emergency
4: oh nice. yeah I, I was like i need to go get trained how to use the kit so
0: yeah yeah that's it the videos are all in there on every product. You open up the tourniquet, point your phone at it, and you'll watch a video on exactly how to use the tourniquet in an emergency.
4: Wow, more 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 bedtime reading.
0: <laughs> yeah, That was uh, you know we actually partnered with that company, and and um, our goal is to just keep working on that until we put uh, a first aid kit like that in every truck. Imagine what a what a huge group of first responders that could become absolutely Who, yeah who's was, most likely to be on the scene of a highway accident
3: yeah no doubt truck yeah
0: yeah
4: well, yeah well usually somebody pulling a white trailer because most crashes i see involving a truck have a white trailer <laughs> i keep thinking about a white trailer. you should just ban
0: those damn white trailers <laughs> all right oh, hey uh we have a ton we could talk about, but uh, we've got some requests to speak, so I'm going to bring some people in here. Neil, jump in. I mean,
5: it, it sounds well and good, the business in a box, but um, just how are you going to change the mentality of the industry? To, are you going to have a zero-down program, no
0: risk? No. Are you going to no, finance no, no. it? No, hell no. This is not a zero-down. There will be qualifications. Uh,
4: you know, Kevin, on on all that that's one of the things I saw is the beauty of a franchise. Like, And I remember reading about Colonel Sanders. If you didn't measure up to how he thought you ought to be serving Kentucky fried chicken when it was a franchise within another restaurant at the beginning, he come by and got the equipment and destroyed it.
0: I'm looking at the same thing. This isn't just everybody gets in. We will have financial qualifications. There, there will be other and, and there are franchises that actually interview people and they don't even have clear criteria. It, right. We might allow you to be a franchisee and we might not allow you to be and we might not even tell you why or why not. Sure without without standards, it becomes a scheme at that exactly. point, not a franchise so right yeah
3: right. I, I think you're right. yep
0: here, here would be the goal and, and this is what I and I know we would accomplish it. Not only will we get you into business with almost guaranteed success, but we are going to create a designation for these companies. and And get this, I don't even have to change the initials of the training program. CMC now becomes Certified Master Carrier. Nice.
4: Well, well, yeah. I
0: nice. Mean,
4: it's that way in almost everything. Like a hotel, it's got to measure up to being whatever it is on that exactly. side of it. Isn't they're out of
0: there so so we are going the opposite of a lease purchase program where they let anybody in as long as you can fog a mirror and then 90 plus percent of them fail we're going to do the opposite I only I think probably 10 percent
4: requirement kevin I don't, yeah you they have to fog the mirror
0: anymore <laughs> you're right <laughs> you're right um ours will be the opposite I, I, I can see maybe only 10% of the people qualifying, but every one of them is going to succeed. Now, here's the difference. If somebody comes into the training program, one of the first things we're going to do is qualify them. Now, anybody that wants to go through the training can, because part of the training is going to be helping people get to the point where they do qualify. There you so go. So helping gotcha. them with their personal finance with their business mindset, we're not saying, "Look, if you can't walk in and qualify on day one, then go away." No, no. Part of the program is we'll get you to the point that you do qualify. There you go.
3: Yeah, that that makes makes a lot of sense. I think um, you know one of the things that I've I've learned here since since starting the the transportation wing of my testing and consulting business is pretty much do the opposite of what everybody else is doing, and you're, you're going to be okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's so odd when you talk to people and I've got a core group of people that have been in the industry. Jesus, probably my core group that I talk to between us all, we've probably got around 500 years of experience in the <laughs> in the industry. Literally, I mean, we've been around for a long time. That's and right. so these are the, these are the people that I use to, you know, form my uh, help form my opinions and and uh, uh, you know, kind of set my goals with and whatnot. And then I like to go out and just talk to random people at truck stops and stuff. And almost without question. the 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 truck stop crowd has the complete opposite opinion of what my core group you know Mm -hmm. kind of values and believes and 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 one of them is you know everybody kind of knows i'm i'm doing a lot of work with schneider right now and my god uh, you see it on social media you 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 hear it when you go in the truck stop oh it's a horrible place to work for and i gotta (laughs) tell you these people have their shit together they just do it's it has
0: been great and so I know the answer to this, but you have already built great relationships inside the walls there, haven't you?
3: We have busted our ass to do that. That was one of the things that we said, okay, we're going to do this. My core group said, look, out of all the places to go, that's safety. That's that's where you need to be. They're great people to work with. And so we decided, okay, this is where we're going to go. And that was our primary focus Was building relationships. Yep. We knew we were going to eat a little bit of shit to start with, and we did. Yeah. But, you know, once you get over those hurdles and you kind of prove yourself, um, things got really good really quick. And, um, you know, everybody kind of knows I'm doing a team thing. Trav's going to go on vacation for a couple weeks, and I got the Schneider people saying, hey, we want to come out to California and run this, or do you want to go to Oklahoma <laughs> and do this for us? We're having problems here. We're having problems there. Can you go help us out? And, you know, I've been doing this for, what, maybe three months, four months with them?
2: Right.
3: And it is crazy um, what the relationship-building aspect can do for you. And, you know, there has been some screw-ups, and I'll tell you, I had a, a fairly major screw-up myself I had a time-sensitive load set up out of Ohio running to Florida, and I went to bed thinking it was Friday and it was Saturday, and I woke up and completely missed that friggin' load. Of course, I got right on the phone. I didn't try to bullshit them. I didn't tell them my truck broke down. You know, I just said, look, I majorly screwed up here, and I apologize. And, you know, they went through everything. They said, you've run 92 loads for us. You haven't been late yet. You know, this this isn't a big deal. Just, uh, you know, pick up where you left off and – rock and roll. And that's what we done. And, uh, if that would have been me, I probably would have fired myself. I mean, I felt horrible. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, Holy shit. I think I'm supposed to be on the road. <laughs> it's like Jesus. So, uh, but, but you know, so we've that's, been running that's the problem. 20,000 miles yeah. of, of
4: They've made so it so yeah. comfortable now that you can do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I have another story that, that highlights this and, This doesn't even include about 80% of what I would put in the program, but it gives you an idea. So I had a guy that came to me and he said, look, you know, I've taken your course on how to get started. I get most of it, but can you help me with a couple of these ideas? And I said, sure, I can, you know, call in. We'll just do it through the show. It's not going to cost you anything. You know, I can only answer so much each time. I can't spend, you know, a half hour with you on each show, but just call in. We'll work through this. So this was a guy who was starting from being a company driver, hadn't even ever owned the truck yet, but he wanted to go right into his own authority. And I said, that, that's not a problem if you just do it right. And I'll show you how to do it right. And I started working with them. And I, I, we got to the point about, you know, what's your model going to look like? Where are you going to get your freight? And I gave him my usual three to five good brokers. Hell, go build that relationship before you even apply for your authority. You just go tell them, here's my plan. Here's my model when I get into business, I want to do business with you and, and start to build that relationship now. And you may find some that blow you off, and, and you're, but you will find some that say, sure, we'll work with you on that. So I get the guy all set up, and then I, I don't hear from him for a while, and he had been calling in every week. So I just figure, well, whatever, maybe I'll hear from him, maybe I won't. About six months later, I get a call from him, and he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, I'm up and running and um, things are going great. And I said, good. I said, so what's your model like? And he said, you know, I I took that idea of three to five good brokers to work with. And he said, I just reached out to C.H. Robinson first and I found a couple agents within the building and I started to build a relationship with them. And he said, the next thing I know, it had been about a month and I had only moved freight for them. And he said, it was working so well, I just kept doing it. And I said, well, great, You know, keep doing it. And a couple months after that, it had been almost a year that goes by, he calls me and he says, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what? And he said, I just received, he said, I'm going to receive an award next month at a big event for C.H. Robinson. I got voted Small Carrier of the Year for C.H. Robinson. And I said, well, that's awesome. Then a couple days later, I get a call from C.H. Robinson hey, we heard the story, and we want you to be at the event when we give him the Carrier of the Year Award, and, in fact, we want you to be the keynote speaker. So, I mean, what a great story. The guy spent a whole year and never pulled a single load for anybody other than C.H. Robinson.
4: Wow.
1: Yeah, and this is uh, what I wanted to talk to Joel about, listening to you and Alec talk the last several months about building the relationship with Schneider, it's been years for me since i've had to do this and other people i've helped with this idea it sounds like it's so hard and joel i think you even exaggerated you busted your ass to prove yourself you really don't have to bust your ass very hard to prove yourself <laughs> it, it's work but it it comes easy if you right. just communicate and you know i don't know to me it just comes i can pull one load for a broker never hauled for him before and by the end of that first load, the conversation when I call in empty, they're saying, Oh, you were easy to work with, you know, let's get you set up on our email list so you know we can we can always be in connection in the future here. And my right. plan, you know, unfortunately, because of the dedicated I run, it's probably not gonna work out. I'm kind of a one and done when I pull a load off the load board, but to me, it's not hard at all to build relationships out here.
0: Hey hey guys. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna interrupt us for a second um, just because we have a very special celebrity guest joining us right now. John Walco. Oh John. John. Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John, jump in here. John, you have to unmute yourself. It looks like he is unmuted. Why are we not hearing him? Can everybody else see him there on the speaker list? Uh, but, 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 but. Uh,
1: no, I don't see him. But
0: All you see so. is J-O-H, but he, he should be showing up as a speaker.
1: No, it doesn't. Um, the only speakers I see are Joel Henry and Neil.
0: Huh. Well, now he's gone. He just dropped off completely, so it must have been something on his end. Um, but while we're taking a break, we'll jump in and uh, let Taylor join us. Taylor, good morning. Oh, there's John again. I'm going to try one more time. There you From are. From the beautiful good
6: sunshine morning. of Los Angeles.
0: You can see the sun through the smog? I
6: actually can.
0: Nice. So what's on your mind this morning? Uh, you don't want to know. Uh, of course <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't ask if I didn't want to know. I I I can kind of expect (laughs) what's coming.
6: Oh, just sarcasm as usual. Uh, Oh, I'm just happier. I'm just happier right now than Michael Jackson with a bedroom full of little boys. I'm telling you, I got this bumper-to-bumper traffic. (laughs) It it don't get no better (laughs) than this, Kevin. I'm telling you. But I on a good note, I am getting good fuel mileage. There you go. Yeah, you got to give a little to take a little. That's right. Hello, Neil. Hello, Henry. Ain't seen you in a while, Henry. Well, it's been a while. All
0: right, let's um, let's try John again. John, are you there this time? I am
7: here. I'm here. Can you hear me? All right.
0: Were, uh, hey, we can. How about that? Were you hearing us last time? I did, time?
7: but my, I, wasn't, I wasn't. broadcasting, and then I got booted off, and then I had to re had to had the had to ask to come on again, and it seemed dork. So yeah. Uh, well, well, you're awesome. here now.
0: My God, have we missed you? Where the hell have you been? <laughs> I've been
7: everywhere. I guess. I mean, yeah, last week alone, I was uh, Monterey, California, and Indianapolis, and I didn't even have any travel planned for last week, and ended up having to do that. I've got to go to Vegas on Monday to look at a car. Someone's someone's paying me to inspect a car for them for some lawsuit thing, so I I, I threw them a huge number. I'm like, yeah, I'll come look at your car, spend a day in Vegas for five grand, and they're like, okay. I'm like, well, shit, I should have said
0: ten. You know, (laughs) I I have a... I I have a strategy like that and um, I I did the the same thing if somebody invites me to do a keynote speech I don't really like to do keynotes and I'm not very good at them so when I tell them that they say well no we, we really decided we want you there so I'll just give them some crazy price and when they right off the bat I think well that was dumb. <laughs> it have gone it's,
7: the more I Yeah, my exactly. Price. I hate when that happens. Like, like the more in demand I am for some reason, it's crazy. It, it's yeah, just, uh, I it, it's, I, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> so, yeah
6: <laughs> it's. Uh, Man, we are in the exactly wrong right. business, Kevin. <laughs> you hey, are I kidding. love
4: your business. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'd get into it if I. Uh, I'm looking at a lot of cars right now out my windshield. Yeah, where are you? Hey Hey John, yeah, charge.
0: Where were you? Did you catch any of the idea for the uh, kind of franchise oh, I think it's model? Really yes. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yep. Good, good. So far, everybody I've run this idea by thinks it is kind of brilliant. Yeah. I mean, if it, you know, here's the thing. It it's not a new idea. I I probably had this idea 15 years ago, but I didn't know if it was. I didn't know if there was enough demand for it. You know, a lot of people just buy a truck, lease to a carrier, and then work from there and see what happens. Really started pushing me in the last couple of years to, to really get working on this and put all the pieces in place. Is all this, uh, all the laws that are that are passing that are eliminating independent contractors. Right now it's illegal in California to lease to a carrier. There, New Jersey's trying to do it. There's a bill in Congress that would do it. And I can't imagine, you know, the government putting three or four hundred thousand people out of business with the stroke of a pen. No,
7: I mean, they make too much tax money off of them. There's no reason they should do that. That doesn't make any sense at all.
0: Well, their idea is if all these people are forced to become employees, they make even more money off of them and it's easier to collect. That could be. Yeah. But but I guess they're backwards on that thinking. So the idea would be as they pass these laws, which they're already doing the the solution is simple just go get your authority just become a carrier and that goes away right kevin with, with most of these guys not able to do that do you think the unintended consequence would be flooding the employee market and lowering wages absolutely how could it not i hate to celebrate that i know but that that is going to happen or or you just wash a lot of people out of the industry that, that just say, look, if I can't drive my own truck and be leased to a carrier because c- I don't want to go through all that hassle of getting my own authority, I'm just going to go work in construction at home or whatever. We know people move in and out of this industry all the time. This is just going to push more of that. So the, the idea is make getting your own authority just as easy as leasing to a carrier all the programs are there everything's set up for you except now you get to make all of your own decisions and your potential for profit grows quite a bit well easy is one thing but they still have to have the capital to pull it off that that's that's why the beginning of the program is all about personal finance if you don't have the financial knowledge and and resources i'll show you how but Kevin, I can't buy a hundred thousand dollar F three fifty and a forty five thousand dollar Harley
6: <laughs> if I don't start out right.
0: You are correct. Damn, damn. Most, uh, I knew there was a, a flaw with this. Th- those idea. guys
7: just buy those first
5: yeah. always. So uh, <laughs> right.
1: I, was say, I didn't buy either
0: one my first year either. But <laughs> <laughs> I well, I, I guess as long as you finance the crumb, it's all good. Hey, wait a minute. I, I didn't buy any of that stuff in my first 25 years. I, I'm, I'm, I, guess I still well, don't have I just it. Want to, <laughs>
2: exactly.
6: I just want to say that my Harley is not a $45,000 Harley, okay? It's, it's a $60,000 Harley.
5: That's right. <laughs>
6: <laughs> now, I can't say that about the truck, but, but the Harley is definitely not a sixty.
5: <laughs> Are you going to have an add-on to that program to get your broker authority? Because I really want to keep, 69% and get a
0: G-Wagon. Uh, we're we're going to have to work on that idea. Maybe there's some other association in trucking that will put that program together. <laughs> Kevin, to
4: me, I think one of the keys to the whole franchise idea <laughs> is with the fact that you can get booted back out of it.
0: That, too. You you could lose your certification. Yep, there has to be. And, and, so what you have, have to... You know, the, would you have to recertify annually? Maybe. There's some of the details yet left to work just out. Just do a review, but, just like they would with a with any, uh, you know, like
7: with any uh, franchise, like a McDonald's or something. Yeah. So yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to maintain the standards. And you know, we could run ten thousand people through this if we didn't have any standards. But like Joel said earlier, if you don't have standards, this whole idea just falls apart and becomes a scheme. Right. So. It, it, I, it, it, we're going to go the opposite. We're going to maintain really, really strong standards and, and only a small percentage of people are going to get into this.
7: I mean, how many people, you with, know, Kevin, if, with everything you've put around this, like how many people would have survived some lousy lease purchases they did? I mean, I, I hate to go go back to that as the root of this, but this is like doing that the right way.
0: It, it, that is exactly correct. And here's the big difference. And this is a good analogy I have said many, many times, people will call me and go, I know how you feel about lease purchase programs, but you have to see this one I found. It's really good. And I've looked at them, and they are really good. There are some out there that are doing a lot of things right except one thing. They don't qualify anybody So if you have to sign their lease purchase program and that's your only option because you don't have any money, you don't have any credit, you don't have even the most basic understanding of business, then the program sucks. They take a great program and they make it awful because they put no standards on it whatsoever. Right. But, you know, like I I
7: said, I've met numerous guys, though, you know, my time at the the shop there in Pittsburgh uh, that busted their ass and pulled it off you know it's so so even even if it wasn't the greatest deal they did that so you get the right person or you give them the guidance around it plus they're actually you know you actually sell them the the franchise which includes maybe i don't know exactly if you're including a truck or not in there how that was going to work but yeah so the uh but that that makes a ton of sense it it, it could just work So so there are guys who are willing to work hard and do it but didn't have the shall we say uh correct knowledge uh direction. Yeah. And, and
3: es- essentially, you're empowering these people to work smarter, not harder. And, and that's the key here. Right. You know, just, just like John said, right. you know, I, I'm the same way. I know a couple of guys, one guy I graduated high school with who is in a lease purchase and he made it through, worked his ass off to do it. I mean, he probably would have twice the amount of money in the bank if he would have done it the right way, but he did make it through. Um, so, you know, working smarter, not harder is key here. And this, this really is going to empower a, a lot of people that have a decent work ethic. This is going to give them the, the brains to, to back that work ethic up, so to speak, and, and really do
2: well.
0: Again. Which is really why franchise models are so successful in our country, because there are people who are willing to do the work. Uh, no matter how hard it is, but starting a business from scratch, no matter how good you are, is always a lot more risk. In fact, if you start from scratch, what has to happen is you have to make a lot of mistakes as fast as you can so you can learn, but you have to make sure those mistakes aren't big enough to put you out of business. (laughs) That
3: that is the God's honest truth. You know, I thought I was in pretty good shape when I started (laughs) mine.
0: Yeah, we should have
3: had, had another fifty thousand dollars set in the bank. It was, yeah, it was crazy. But you know,
2: we we right. made it
3: through, and uh, um, you know, we're we're doing well. But uh, yeah, you're exactly right. This is a great idea. I mean, it, it's really going to empower a lot of people. It's going to give them some confidence, some security. We're going to work smarter, not harder. We're going to be very efficient, and we're going to leverage economies of scale. I, I mean, it's uh, it sounds good to me.
0: My it, God, when I hear everybody else talk about it, I think
4: it's brilliant. Phil, you know, when you bring up that subject about working hard, or s- smarter, not harder, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's only one thing I don't like about that saying that too many people take into account on that is that they don't think you need to work hard. You still need to work hard. But you, that's a given.
0: Absolutely. Right. You know, too so, many people my use that
4: as a, I'm not going to work hard. I'm just going yeah. to work smart.
0: Yeah, no, you always have to work hard in business what i'm trying to to help people with here is you have to work hard that's a given that's the basic you have to do the hard work to really succeed and it's the hard work that makes you efficient and all of those other things we're talking about so doing the hard work we've done a lot of the hard work for you we've made the mistakes You're still going to have to sit down and make sure you do your accounting. You build the relationships we've we've pre-set up for you. There's still hard work and working hard. But if you do those two things, I could almost, and and I may even figure out some way to put some kind of guarantee in place. If you do these things and you meet these criteria, you will succeed.
6: Mm Mm-hmm. So Kevin, the the two things my dad always told me uh, was obviously work smarter, not harder. And if you're going to beat the system, you got to know the system. Good point. That's and good I'm point. going to go with the latter. But uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think it would be a lot cheaper if you could just write a program explaining what supply and demand is.
0: <laughs> yes,
6: yes, I said
0: it. <laughs> hey, look. No, hey, hey, Taylor, here's here's the first question on the qualification form explain clearly how supply and demand works and if you get it wrong you're terminated (laughs) there you go (laughs) i I guess we'll teach them that first though We, we will at least tell them what supply and demand is and how it works and as long as they can understand that and retain it then they'll be okay
6: but no, seriously. Uh, if you're going to beat the system, you got to know the system. My dad always used to say that. Every time I trade for a car and I get burnt, and he always tell me, and he he didn't say it as advice. It's just something he used to say. Well, if you're going to beat the system, you ought to know it. And uh, <laughs> but now th- now think about that. If you you obviously know the system, you know how to beat it and actually profit from it. But if these people knew the system, all these guys are great truckers. I Man, you can't find a greater trucker than most of these guys but they don't know shit oh, about business. Exactly right. And and if they knew yeah. business, I mean, it's, it's it's like, but when they fail, they blame it on companies. And sadly, people people always think they always believe the worst than the good. And, and there you get that that stigmatism of like lease purchase. This is my second least purchase truck and it's paid for. And in six years, I've paid for two trucks. So they they can't all be bad.
4: No, exactly. That's why I always tell them as soon as you buy a truck, you're no longer a truck driver. You're a business owner that drives a truck.
6: Yeah. And and, and um, for a shameless plug, uh, the truck's for sale, by the way. I'm about to
0: buy another one. There you I'm, go. I'm,
6: I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, write up a post, and I'll spread it around, too. Hey, Taylor, are you going to autograph the truck somewhere?
6: If you want to buy it, I sure will for an extra low price of... Uh, <laughs>
3: Now make sure you add enough zeros to that because you're going to throw out an amount that's too
0: low. So That's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, if they accept that offer too quickly, you know you left money on the table. I
4: hate when that happens.
0: Yeah.
6: I'm just going to when I post it on Twitter, I'm just, I'm going to say DM Kevin Rutherford for the price. <laughs> 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 Don't let me down, Kevin.
0: <laughs> well, that that's perfect. I can put my cut in there then. And I only want like 57% like a good broker would. there you go Well, that that always
4: makes me have some sleepless nights you know when you throw out a figure for doing whatever task or service it may be and you're and you're you're throwing out this really what you think to be a really high number and you're like man if they go for this i have it made and they're just like okay and you're
0: Uh, like oh man (laughs) I, i can't count how many times i've done that and I always think I've gone way high. They're never going to accept this. And then they do. And I think, well, darn, I, I wonder you gotta, what they're going to realize. Lim- what, I wonder what their upper limit really was. Uh, uh, yeah.
6: <laughs> you got to realize something, Kevin, in reality, where your decimal point is, is, is common. theirs are usually one or two past yours. You're right. So, so, right. so for every five bucks you have $500 of these guys is nothing, you know? That, so, that's it. You're right. So,
3: so all I can tell you is that I just haul cheap freight, and I don't know anything about any of
0: this. So I'm just listening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, hey Joel. I, Listen I, I and you. learn, Joel. Joel.
3: I'm trying. I'm trying. Joel, Joel yes, I can sir.
0: explain this. Okay. I, I know exactly why it, it's working for you. Okay. You're just lucky. That, that's,
4: that's it, <laughs> that, yeah, is it. That, that, is, that is it <laughs> I, I think it's because you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth yeah that, there that you must go be it too. yeah too <laughs>
0: you know yeah. I just, hey Joel I just you, thought about something you said earlier mm-hmm. and the whole idea of doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing i've talked about it for years in, in investing it's called contrarian investing you're mm-hmm. buying when everybody's selling and you're selling when everybody's buying. So I just thought of we can even keep those same initials for this idea. Now you could be a certified master contrarian. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that that'll be a secondary qualification. Yeah, Kevin. Absolutely. Sometime,
4: sometime during the show, when we get around to it on the efficiency side, I'm trying out a new set of steer tires. So just not now, but. You, are you I allowed to
0: give us any hints?
4: Well, yeah, it's, it's a Michelin.
0: Okay. On the market yet, or is this top secret kind of stuff?
4: No, not, I don't think it's top secret. I think they're coming out onto the market. If they're not already there, it's the uh, uh, X-Line Energy Z Plus steer tire.
0: Huh. Ah, gotcha. Do, do they make it in the... Um, why can't I think of the size now, the big heavy-duty size? like No, the, um... it's
4: 295, 70, 22.5. And actually, they went to where, you know, Mitchell always had odd numbers. Yeah. This one's not. Hmm.
3: Okay. So on my my next truck, Kevin, you'll you'll keep your eyes open on that. They're going to bring some over from Europe for my heavier front axle. Um, it, it, I think it's like a 305, 70, something, something like that. Can, yeah, I think three... 315s are a common one. You, well, um, now the 315s are too tall because mm-hmm. we've got all the arrow work on the inside of the fenders, so we needed something that had a little lower profile to to stick in there. And I'm having such phenomenal luck with these 365s. I really didn't want to change them. They are just an awesome steer tire. And so I got talking to the guys at Mich at Michelin, and they said we'll we'll bring you something over. I said okay, hey,
0: let's try it. Te- tell them to send two extras for my coach. I'll do that. <laughs> well, what I'm we'll finding do that. With
4: these so far, Kevin?
0: <laughs> What's that, Henry?
4: What what I'm finding so far with these, they they have an eighth mile of what they're calling I right, I can't forget the name. Something coil cable. Infini-coil. Right? In, <laughs> Infinicoil, Infinicoil. Infinicoil. Yes, yes, that's what it was. And interesting. It seems to be running about 10 degrees closer to ambient temperature than what the previous ones were so
0: boy that would that would have to indicate a lot less rolling resistance well 12
4: percent less rolling resistance and 17 percent more initial tread life and more retread on the casings instead of three Hmm.
6: that's big Uh, yeah henry do you monitor your temperature going
4: down the road do you have the tire pressure gauge uh
0: yeah yeah okay yeah i've got the same thing on the coach i can see pressure and temperature all day long i I got my
6: tire uh i don't do nothing without it Yeah. Things like yeah they're gold right
4: right now while i'm driving they're running 18 degrees above ambient and i just came through an area where i was hitting the brakes a lot with stop and go traffic so that makes it always warmer than what they normally would be but yeah, they nice. seem to be a move in the right direction. Hey, is that hey, what you
7: watch? Is the uh, temperature above ambient with the uh, with the tire temps?
4: That's what I yeah, watch. Yeah. A,
7: okay. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's yeah. uh, So uh, that's kind of a general rule with uh, our race tires. We'll do uh a hundred above uh, track temp is kind of our uh, goal for an average on a tire. So now, but
0: yeah, you know what we've got. What's interesting is is the the higher you go with pressure, the smaller temperature differential you always see. Oh yeah, see. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes.
4: Yeah. Uh, oh, I just saw a post the other day about this guy basically saying everybody was crazy about running higher pressures, especially if you're in South Texas, <laughs> that you're going to <laughs> blow a tire. Out. You're not going to blow a tire out from pressure. You're going, to, and you're not blowing a tire out. You're disintegrating right. the tire. You're going to do that by hey, running them low.
0: Hey, hey, Henry, that's this contrarian thinking again.
4: Yeah, I know.
7: <laughs> hey, hey, John. Yes. So hey, I've got a couple of things uh, to come to comment on over the last uh, yeah. bit that i've been listening but, to here
0: okay before you do i got a question uh-huh. for you how busy is your race career going forward
7: oh crazy i mean it's, it's showing ah. no signs of slowdown so, for me yet yeah so but, so if you want to use the race car index like the boat index we're still doing okay at, at least well, could, at least those of us who make money off of rich people they're, they're still spending it like crazy
0: <laughs> Congratulations. I love that. If you ever have some extra time, I have an idea about this franchise model I might like you to be a part of. Oh, I'd love
7: of. to. I would absolutely love to. Okay. Let's
0: talk okay. about Let's that. Let's
7: circle back to uh, front tires. And you know, I spent a fair amount of time in Europe recently. Um, the uh, I can't get over, like, Joel's got the bigger fronts and the stuff he's bringing over. And, again, I guess it's the way the axle weights are on some of these trucks over there. Uh, they, they really load that front axle, mm-hmm. and they've got just this monster of a mm-hmm. tire on there and it, it's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty it, it's it's pretty beefy uh you know i, I didn't mm-hmm. i didn't get to speak to anybody i didn't talk to many drivers i talked to a few of them but not too much in detail but uh you know it's it's the truck the trucks over there the, the attention to detail and the aerodynamics and the side skirting and all the stuff that you see on them and the way they seal off around the tires and wheel covers and it, there's a lot like they really really pay a lot of attention and trailer gaps are, like, nil. I mean, they've got them almost interlocked like a like a ball and socket. And yeah. another thing they do over there, I went from one end Italy to the other on the Autostrada. Uh, the Europeans are such better, shall we say, rule followers than us. The lanes, they're all three lanes, right? The right lane, the trucks just stay in. You don't see a guy who's got one mile per hour on the other guys going to hog up the, the, the fast lane for, like, the next 10 miles to get by the the truck he's only got one mile per hour on because he he, because he doesn't want to lift right you know it just doesn't happen there like you just don't see that that never happens but the trucks all run together like they they almost it's like a peloton almost they they you see groups of 10 12 15 trucks just running together all the time like non-stop and fast i mean they're moving along like it's uh you know, 100, 110 kilometers per hour. You know, like like 70 miles per hour, no problems. Move just just on it, and uh, you know, little things like that. It just it just amazes me how smoothly the highways work there. It, it it's unreal. Like it just, uh, you know, when they have construction, like everybody merges like a zipper. It, it's beautiful. Like they just do it, and nobody yells or beeps or does anything. It just happens. It's uh, you know a cultural thing, I guess. I'm not sure what, but uh, it's definitely different. But, uh, but but again when
4: when you brought up about the arrow yeah. with them over there and Joel you probably remember this remember when we got done on run on less the one truck that was there that had more arrow on than anybody but mm-hmm. Didn't have any of it lining up with anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. No. Well,
3: no that that is I, I'm, I'm, that is
7: true. Again,
4: I'm circling back to that. I'm tying this all
7: together here. So Joel was talking about his inner fenders, which caught my attention. I got to spend a bunch of time in uh, the A2 wind tunnel down in Charlotte, which is just uh, it's an inexpensive wind tunnel. It's like it's you know. About six grand a day. It's like six hundred dollars an hour. As far as wind tunnels go, that's that's cheap. Uh, It's not big enough to put a truck in. Uh, Wind shear, the one next door is, but that's big, 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 big money. Uh, But we uh, spent a lot of time with our little sports racer there that we ended up winning a national championship with this year in Seca, and uh, I made huge gains dressing up my inner fenders, like
4: yeah it was, <laughs> yeah yeah it it's crazy it was it's big. crazy <laughs> um, yes
7: inner fenders wheel covers uh we did some skirting stuff on the side which totally does not apply to us but a lot of undercar stuff but we did basically in uh and this is in regard to downforce so again this doesn't really apply but uh we did these vortex generator kind of semi-tunnel things down the whole side of the car and uh, this car has a has a it's it, it's a ground effect car basically. It's got tunnels, shall we say, at the the whole bottom of the car is like an airfoil. So it uh you know, it starts at the front and goes to the back and sweeps up underneath and everything's sealed off and nice and tidy. Did did we lose John or did oh, we lose me? Am I here? Looks like I'm still no you're, you're, here, here, you're here. here okay yeah I hear you Kevin so but uh, so we made these uh, again this this kid who's a hello I hear you. Yeah, I
6: hear you, Kevin. He's
3: talking. Yeah, he's talking, yeah. Kevin.
1: <laughs> Kevin, can you hear anybody? I'll send him a text.
3: Okay, he's gonna have to sign, <laughs> right, sign out and sign back in. <laughs>
0: oh, can anybody hear me? Yeah, we all hear you. Yeah. we can all hear. Yeah. You. All hear we you. can all hear you, Kevin. Okay, so that was John because my everything went silent for me too. I wasn't hearing anything. Yeah, yeah. John well, we was laughing proud.
2: Him. Yeah, we, yeah. your
0: your mic's hot. But I'm back. So your mic's hot, Kevin. Don't to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I wasn't hearing anybody. <laughs> huh? So, but all right, but we made these well. Where do we go from that, oh. then? I, honestly, I have oh. to say I wasn't paying oh, attention okay. because I was screwing around on. with the technology on oh, my end to make sure everything Kevin, working. can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Uh, John's talking. He is? Yeah.
6: The whole
2: time. Yeah.
0: The whole time. And you guys can hear him? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess I better shut up how many people can you hear talking? <laughs> I, I, I can hear Taylor and Joel, and I'm pretty sure I just heard Henry too.
4: Can, yeah. Can, some, can somebody mute Kevin? <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if
6: basically, hey, one thing one thing hey. that they find I find in space is if you mute your mic when you're not talking, that that'll happen. So everybody mute your mic except the guy talking.
0: Huh. Interesting. All right. Okay. Hey, hey, Henry. Just so you know. They've tried to mute, mute me many times, and it's not going to work. Yeah, me too.
4: Me, me too. I, I was just picking.
0: All right. So, oh, now I can hear John. Right, I'm back. I heard Kevin can hear I, me. Yeah, now. I heard the laugh. Right. That that has to be John. That's, that's what
6: that. Th- yeah, Kevin, that goes for you <laughs> too. If laugh. you're not talking, you got to mute your mic. Yep. That's why you can't hear him. All right. I'll uh. Who, John are you I'm here. Go I'm ahead here. Then. I'm gonna. Oh, go
7: no, back sorry. to it. You know, I was, I was telling a wind tunnel story. Uh cuz Joel had mentioned his uh, inner fenders and we made huge gains with our sports racer uh that uh, by just sealing off and really dressing the inner fenders up nicely. It was uh, it was big. I could think it would totally apply to a truck. I, I think it would be yeah, if you, you clean all that stuff up in there, it'd be a big deal. You know, you know, the, especially Absolutely. the back edge of the of the front. Uh, you know, just really clean that all up where, you know, and and direct that air around the outside of the vehicle would be fantastic so but the other cool thing we did was uh, we made some vortex generator like these little mini tunnels that went down the side of the car and basically made like an air seal so we created a vortex down the side down the edge and what it did was kept uh, air from spilling into the car right so so if we lose downforce by the car pulling too much air underneath from the side so we were able to Pretty much the thing didn't drag the ground, didn't scrape the ground, anything. We did it all with vortices, and it seemed to really, really make a huge difference as well. I mean, uh, the tunnel's fun. I mean, I've got this huge spreadsheet with, you know, what we did and how much power it, it, it took to drive it, so it'll give you actual horsepower drag numbers on anything you do. Like this part cost six horsepower but created, you know, 30 pounds of downforce, or so this one, you know, created 200 pounds of downforce and cost us nothing, or our skirts did that. So it was—it was—it was a good time. I mean, I learned a lot, and a ton of this stuff definitely applies. And like I said, when yep. I saw the stuff in Europe afterwards, and saw how nice and tidy it was and didn't move, it was amazing. Um, on our car, the—you know—to the average eye or from 20 feet away, before our wind tunnel test looked great. It looked like all the body fit really well. It, it didn't. I mean, if we had a piece of bodywork that was moving at all, it was drag. And also costing downforce. So, so it was exactly what you don't want. Wow! Um, you know, I see all these trucks with these stupid plastic flaps down the sides that are just waving in the wind. It, it, it's, it, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's creating
2: more so, drag so than wait. you could
7: imagine. Like it's, I mean, would, would you the build a model rocket when you were a kid? The little rocket, you just put a streamer on instead of a parachute. It's just like a streamer on a model rocket.
3: Like So yeah. the first first thing i done on mine was i went and had some custom cut stainless steel to reinforce that that shit so it wasn't just out there flapping in the wind and stiffened it up and and so I, yeah i agree with you that oh that stuff used to just drive me
6: crazy i'd see that shit hanging there i'd be like oh we gotta get rid of that so, so we found absolutely so john yes good so i'm interested to know for you and kevin okay what is the best and the worst aerodynamics in the big rigs versus the cars I mean, what do you see on a rig besides those flaps that you just look at like how ridiculous? <laughs> versus, ver, ver, versus, versus looking at something on a rig and say, well, that's pretty smart. Okay. What's your favorite? What's the best and the worst?
7: So, so, something that's really common that I see all the time is on uh, Freightliner Cascadias that that side fairing that just stops dead about three feet before the rear tire. Like, why didn't they finish that? That drives me nuts. And I'm, I'm sure that they they have some reason as to why they didn't finish that. I, but every time I see Cascadia down the road, you too. I look at that thing, I'm like, why didn't that go the whole way back and have a nice edge right at the tire?
3: Like Volvo does.
2: <laughs> so... <laughs>
3: I've, I actually have that flare on mine, right. and they did not go all the way back. Some of it was due to I needed a battery box for my solar, and I had to stick in there, and it made the, the regular fairing uh, impractical. But I was told by the aerodynamicist at Volvo that that flare is actually slightly more efficient than the one that ends right at the wheel. Really?
7: Yes. Huh. Yes. yes. Okay, well, maybe that's the thing. And another then there's car. another
4: reason beyond that that they figured to go that way, was fleets with tire chains or tires going yes. bad and coming apart were oh. tearing off that last part. Well, I get day. that. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah,
7: that's that's always. But, again, yep. if, if that's not an issue, then why? You, you, I, I like yeah. to say, you know, I'm a racer, right, so I throw stuff like that out. Like, okay, yeah, so it's a pain in the ass to take off. And I get on the, on the business end. You know what you don't want something on the truck that the guy' is going to uh, you know tear off once a month and it's gonna be more of an issue I, I understand all that but like I throw that out when I think about it like I like just leave that out so, and yeah, so yeah
3: supposedly supposedly that front piece that I got for the flow below that tucks in behind the flare right. supposedly the combination of that is more way more efficient than just going right out to the back with a with a full fairing and stopping at the top. The
7: flow bullet, the piece that goes between the tires and smooths
3: that off or, or is it well, I've got I've got the back piece, I've got the dog bone between the tires, and now there's a front section that replaces the quarter fender. Oh, Okay. And it it kinda it, it veers mm-hmm. in, it kinda is concave so to speak, and and uh, it, it kinda mm-hmm. tucks right in behind that flare. And I'll tell you, man, that thing it I always thought flow below was nice for knocking down road spray, but when you get that front piece on there, Jesus, I mean, nothing comes up off the road at that point. It, it's it's really, really nice. So, um, yeah, supposedly a little more efficient, believe it or not. It doesn't look like it. It looks awful ugly, it, it, but it, it – it, yeah. uh, it's there. It, it just yeah. catches
7: my eye every time I see one. I'm like, man, if I owned one of those trucks, I would go to the junkyard and get some front halves and make my own. that went the whole way.
2: <laughs>
7: <laughs> so, 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 John, I
4: got a question for you on the wind tunnel side because you get yep. around that. and And it fascinated me when he did it. Is Haas still using the old Pennsylvania Turnpike tunnel as a rolling wind tunnel? That's
7: not Haas, that's Chip Ganassi does
4: that. He he actually leases that that's from That's right, the state. Chip Ganassi. Yeah, yeah, they do
7: coast town testing in there. I've got a really good friend of mine's an engineer for them and they they still use it for their NASCAR program and their IndyCar program. Yeah, so they Boy, that made that makes a lot of sense. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It, it, coast – test, you know, people used to do it on runways and and you know before tunnels became so accessible regardless of the expense. Uh, you know, people, the race teams forever, um, you know, back into the sixties and fifties that I, that I've seen would, would do coast down testing on, on runways. So you just take it up to a certain speed, yes. shut it down in yes. a certain part and just see how far it goes. Uh, uh, and then you want what, a, what a pain though. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what the, the tunnel does, the control, there's no, no crosswind. There's no variables. It's, it, it's always it's, the same. Exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. Wow.
3: Yeah. 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 I, I uh, we, done, we rented a, an airport outside of Spartansburg, and uh, we are trying to do roll-down testing, and the damn wind would start to blow, and then everything had to be on hold. I mean, you were there for like eight or ten hours, and you got three usable passes because the wind would start. I mean, it just screwed everything up. So, yeah, that tunnel, that's brilliant. Yep. I, I like that idea. That That's so, cool.
4: So what I was reading on one part of that, John, that they had put sensors in the tunnel that they could actually run run the car through there at speed yes and tell how it was pushing air off of it yeah i guess you would
7: they have sensors and cameras they have all sorts of stuff they measure the pressure as the car goes by they've got like transducers in the wall that, that measure the pressure coming off the car as it goes and where it is like uh it's yeah that's it, it's really serious uh yeah, it, it, Chips uh, got an interesting uh, deal there. And again, I don't know how he worked it out with the state. I don't know what the thing is, but it was an abandoned tunnel there. I've, I've ridden my mountain bike over it. Like, uh, there, there are mountain bike trails out there, it's only about 40 miles from me. And it's uh There's another
4: one that's abandoned that they're not using yet near Breezewood for what it's worth. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: See, you know, we you, put a you, truck you, in there. You can, <laughs> you, 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 can, you, can, you can ride a bike through that
7: one. Yeah, so that's, there is one on the trail. I've not ridden the trail that far. That's on the, the Great Allegheny Passage Trail. That one goes from... That trail goes from Pittsburgh to, to D.C. And uh, I've not gone that far on it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but the hill over the... Tunnel, it's right near Breezewood. Yeah. So uh, that that's really cool, but uh, and guess so. So that was so. Maybe my worst isn't as bad as it thinks. It just doesn't look right to me. And I had a wise engineer once tell me that if it doesn't look right, it isn't. Um, it, it, the uh, the best, honestly, the uh, the same truck, the front of truck of the same truck, Henry's truck, basically. I, I that that arrow just looks right to me, like it. it you know there. I, I like the the bumper and the splitter ish thing on the bottom and. It's just the arrow on that thing just looks right. It uh, you know again I don't know drag numbers or how your drag numbers would compare to the Volvo, uh, but uh, you know that to me the the you know the Henry's Cascadia definitely uh, looks 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 the best to me. Oh,
3: there's there, there's there's no doubt he's got an arrow edge on 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 his truck. Absolutely yeah. no doubt about it. I've I've still got a visor out there. I've got great big huge mirrors. I may right. as well be putting. Big piece of plywood out there. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm. I am definitely challenged in terms of aerodynamics. <laughs> no question about
7: it. They just—they just, they got know, the earlier. They so, got it right. They—they they got the leading edge of that thing right. I think it just—it, it, you know, it, it looks good, but it looks right. Not so much that it, you know, it's attractive looking. It's it. it the arrow to me looks correct,
0: and. Uh, well,
4: I mm-hmm. think that's because they have more time to play with it, John. They have their own wind time. Right. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. it's obvious. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: you know, earlier when somebody asked, what kind of stuff do we see that kind of makes us a little crazy aerodynamically wise? What One of the first thoughts that came to me, because I just got back from 5,000 miles on the highway and I watched all the flapping skirts and all that stuff. It makes me insane. When <laughs> it drives me nuts. That. But, but <laughs> yeah. then what, what Joel just said, I'm looking at all these new trucks. Why do the mirrors keep getting bigger and bigger? <laughs> So, that's Kevin, a, here's a
4: question that, for you. That's about the change. Big, and yeah, that's about the change, but they weren't getting bigger per se. They were getting more arrow.
0: But bigger at the same time. I, I, I get the shape, but the size keeps getting bigger.
4: I don't know that the glass on mine's any bigger than no, it was before.
0: It, no, the, the glass, there's actually a requirement. You have to have so many square mm-hmm. inches of glass. So I understand you can't make them much smaller, but the the casings and the whole size of the mirror and I was looking at a Volvo, and I uh-huh. thought, my God, that mirror is. Unique. Well,
3: we have always had these big honking mirrors. It's the Volvo safety thing. Um, you go to Europe and you look at the Volvo cab overs, and you know for years that was the big you know bust on them because they had these huge mirrors that were catching all this wind and it it does make it a little more difficult and we've got this great big huge front windshield that stands almost straight up and down like a cab over and it just creates a big old wind dam there and it's it's challenging as well so um we we struggle a little bit we're in a data design this cab's basically what 25 years old
4: so um yeah
3: yeah, yeah, so it's it's uh it's a challenge aerodynamically compared to everybody else out there at the moment.
4: John, you can appreciate this with Dinmore having their own wind tunnel out there. The, the amount of time they spend on the underhood aerodynamics is amazing to me.
7: I yeah, that's that I believe that completely. Underhood under vehicle I mean, I think that's a whole nother frontier with trucks. Again, you get into a serviceability thing. Uh, but I mean, there could be some panels, some things underneath the truck that you could do would make the huge differences. And with with the trucks becoming so reliable now, I, mean, I would. Uh, Again, I would love to have one to play with. I, I would, if, if I had some spare money, and maybe I will someday in the not too distant future, I, I'd buy a truck. <laughs> I, I, would like, I, yeah. I, would, I would buy a Ferrari, even though I have connections there, and I would, I would buy a truck and I would tinker with it. Like I would, yeah. I'd, I'd do the wheel bearings, I'd do the alignment, I'd do all the stuff that I believe in, that, that, is, that is, you know, all the things that have made race cars work for me. And it's all that free horsepower and, and, all the stuff that's just drag reduction, and you know everything that that I learned there, I would love to apply to that, and then throw a driver in and put it to work, and just track some numbers. It, it'd be a blast, hey, John. Hey, hey, if Don. you would like
4: to do that, I would like to work with you, and I know where that other tunnel is. Maybe we, we can could work go, out We could go something. do that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey. hey, John. John, yes. you've just confirmed for all of us. You have the six. I do.
7: Oh yeah, I've had it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> See, I've had it since I used to watch. So
7: I grew up across the street from a from a old school trucker who had a couple of gas job International dump trucks, and then he bought his first diesel power truck was a Mack R model, and he, then he bought another one. And honest to God, my my parents at like two and three years old would let me walk across the street just to watch Big Stan work on his trucks. Like, this is what I grew up. I did. I, lo- I, I love the smell of the garage. I could remember clearly walking under the truck, like literally walking under it, not crawling on a creeper, but walking under it, watching watching him. And, and he worked on his trucks every day. They came back from work. He hauled slag out of the mills. And uh, he'd come home at whatever. He'd leave at 4 or 5 in the morning. He'd come home at 3 in the afternoon. He'd be rolling in when I was getting off the school bus, you know, when I was a little bit older. And immediately right to work. I mean, he was greasing stuff daily. He worked on his trucks nonstop. He'd work till 8 or 9 at night, get back in the truck at 4 o'clock in the morning and go haul slag again. Wait a minute. And, wait, wait a yeah. minute.
3: Wait, 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 wait. Just wait a minute. There's no way that a guy had to work on an old truck. They run forever. <laughs> they never had problems. They never broke down. And they never had to be in the shop. So I'm, I'm kind of doubting this story a little bit here because we all know that that, that just doesn't, didn't happen. Joel, you don't remember the good old. Yeah, the problem is I do. That's the problem. So, here's a question for you guys.
7: I know it was cheaper to rebuild them. You used to have to, when I I first started working for Bruce out of high school, like we were rebuilding. If someone got 300,000 miles out of their 855, don't let anyone bullshit you. That's all those things went. Like, that was it.
3: That's exactly right. 300,000 if
7: you were lucky. And you know warp
3: decks, counter bores, oh, heads. I mean, it was yeah. They were they, they sucked. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they just did oh, no. But it, at, the time, the at the time, thing ever. Yeah. At the time, yes, it was slightly better than a
0: two-stroke Detroit. So yeah, it was great. You know what I mean? So, well, I was just going to say that that rebuild time was about two hundred and fifty thousand on a two-stroke Detroit. That, that you are
3: a hundred percent correct. We had twenty-five of them, and you are if you made it to two fifty, you, you were, were throwing a gold. party. That right. That's exactly right. You you we're throwing right. a party, Kevin. You
0: what's your buy, RV get? And, and think about this now at 250, we might not be changing the oil yet.
6: <laughs> yeah, Kevin, no, what would your RV get on that 5,000 mile trip average? Uh,
0: my fuel mileage? Yeah. Oh, I'm embarrassed to say it this time. Because I was running hard. Nobody's asked you this yet, Henry. No, no, but nobody's asked me, and I, I'm kind of embarrassed. The entire average for the round, but I, I did run hard, seventy-five miles an hour a lot of times. I got four point
2: eight. <laughs> See,
3: See uh, now, now wait a second, Henry, Henry. Now we gotta, we gotta bust up on this cat power, right? Because I know everybody's going to come at us for this, but I I more than doubled you up over the last 20,000 miles. <laughs> I, 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 we both did. Here's a, fact, I,
6: question, yeah, it, Here's a realistic question, Kevin. Here's a realistic question. Go. Go ahead, over Taylor. the last
4: 20,000 miles, the both of our trucks did not burn as much fuel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put
6: together,
4: so, and they made money. If we were
6: realistically... If we were realistically wanting to cut down the carbon, you know, uh, our, and, and saving our environment, I mean, look at Australia. Their trucks pull like five freaking trailers. You get five times the loads moved, and you get shitty fuel mileage. But you get five times the load moved.
0: Well, well the, which, the the model I you could look I... at is the the uh, the trains. When when I mean, look at all the weight they pull and how inefficient a lot of it is but they can move freight a whole lot cheaper per mile because they're moving so much of it.
4: Well, yeah, and uh, what stopped that in our country is the ICE-T Act.
3: That, that is correct. The, the ICE-T Act did stop that, and who was behind what, that? The, the railroad lobby. Uh, I mean, you've you're got lobbyists that are going <laughs> to lobby against that. that I, uh, thought, I mean, that's just not going to happen, <laughs> but it I should. The, from, from an efficiency standpoint,
0: it should happen.
2: I
3: thought yep, the ICT it Act
0: meant you weren't allowed to ri- listen to rap in a commercial vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> it should I like be, that. but... <laughs> See, I, I, I signed on to that. I thought it was a good thing. <sighs> wait,
5: wait. Regulation hurt the trucking industry? Come
0: on. <laughs> Stop that nonsense. Hey, Joel. Hey, well, hey I, well, I got you. Oops,
5: sorry.
0: Uh-huh. Hey, yeah. hey Dad, hold on a second. John? Yes. I, I got to go back to something you said. Um, now that I have, a, oh, you might not even know about this. We, we bought a farm. I didn't know about that, no. Yeah, we, we, we bought a farm in Washington. We're, we're still living in Oregon, right. but at some point we'll move over to the okay. farm and turn this into a vacation rental. But I have a I have a workshop over there. I've got a barn. I've got some cool stuff. And I keep thinking that you mentioned the smell of the garage. Yep. I, I have got to buy a kerosene torpedo oh, yeah. heater. That, that is the smell I remember from our garage at home all winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah,
7: You know, it's that, again, I'm, I'm weird about shit like this. I, I, it's just really, it, it, smell is the thing that is closest related to memory. That's like the one sense I, that takes you somewhere yeah. that will put you in a place that will do something. And, yeah. you know, that garage... Uh, You know, my friend still owns it. The the guy's son still has that 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 house. It's you know, he has the garage with a truck store. He doesn't truck anymore, but he's got some machines in there and things. And to this day, I walk in there, whatever it is, it's impregnated itself into the concrete or what. And it's super neat and clean. It's not it's a really nice place. Right. But it's still there. You know, it, it, it's yeah. oh, it's still there. And, you know, it's it's the stuff, you know, it's the oil change oil that, you know, back then you put so yeah. much fuel in the oil. Remember what the oil smelled like changing oil in, the, in those Not old engines? right. Like, oh, it, wait, uh, wait a second. Yeah. Wait wait <laughs> a
3: second. You, you, no, no, no. That can't yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah, they're, that they're, just can't be. All sorts of fuel and stuff in the oil, believe it yeah. uh, or no no, yeah, no, no way. No way.
2: You're
3: <laughs> next you're going to tell me, next you're going to tell me they just dumped it right down the drain, too, you know? <laughs> Maybe, or or, or they actually,
0: yeah, you know, <laughs> or they dumped uh, all that used oil into their fuel tanks if they had uh, on-site fuel uh, tanks. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah,
2: yeah.
7: Or, or you heated the shop. Well,
3: goes, yeah. Kevin, you, you know what yeah. that was? You know what that was an attempt at? That was an attempt at an early catalyst. They wanted all that <laughs> iron to go into the fuel to, to improve combustion. It just uh, <laughs> that's what that was,
4: <laughs> oh, man. John. It's funny. I still have some of my old race stuff, and it's not much of it, but. Still, when you get around it, you can smell that smell of race fuel and everything of what was my old race shop. And it's like, oh, my oh gosh. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cam 2 doesn't go away. Like that, that, that's old, the old purple. <laughs> well, <two. Yep. laughs> I wow. Was, I, I wasn't Cam 2. I was a VP guy. Okay.
7: Well, they, their 110 was almost a copy, wasn't it? It wasn't the, uh, or did you use I, the green I, VP? I don't know. I,
0: hey, yep. yeah. The, green.
7: Yeah, the green stuff. Green. Okay. So that, that, that is the thing smell also. Yep.
0: Since we're talking about specific smells, I had another one, I, and I've told you this one before. Um, blends all. <laughs> I, when I first started racing cars, oh, you don't have to tell me. The, my best friend, my best friend who got me into it, had a. Uh, remember these? He had a a, a Hodaka Steen 100, mm-hmm. and the only oil he used in it was cloth. Cloth Steen oil. Cloth. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the smell of cloth. Lots of oil. It just. Uh, oh, I've got I that just...
7: one too. Yeah, yeah, I have that too. Hey, I watched a Kevin, really can, can cool can... documentary on YouTube about Hodaka. Do you know that story? Uh, no. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't you, it? you saw that too, Henry? That? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, they were they were just an engine company, and there was a deal with a fertilizer company from Washington State, and so this whole thing was just crazy. <laughs> and they started building dirt bikes in the beginning of the dirt bike craze. Like you, you need to just look it up on YouTube. It's hilarious. It's a great it's, story. It's, it's You'd appreciate amazing. it. Yeah.
0: But remember, they had all the goofy names. Oh, yeah. One of them was called combat, the Combat, combat, combat. combat. Yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah. yeah that's God, right. I wanted one of those when I was a kid. <laughs> so, <yeah.
4: laughs> I know. John, I just made a, a recent discovery because one of my things I'm wanting to do next year, I'm wanting to get a Kawasaki KLR 650 mm-hmm. and do the Trans Am Trail across the country. Right. So I started following all the forums, and I just made a very recent discovery. Shell Rotella 1540 is also Jasso-approved in a motorcycle oil and good for wet clutches and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I put that stuff in everything. Uh, well, I use
7: 540, but I... It, I uh, actually, I got a drum of. Uh, I, I get. I still get my deal with uh, DA Lubes, but I have a, a drum of their full synthetic here at the shop that they replace for me for free. Every race engine I build has 540 diesel oil in it. Everything. Everything I own has 540 diesel synthetic in it. I could probably go thinner. I mean, I realize it, but I get this for free, and you know, I'm not that worried about it. It's. Uh, yeah. So. Well, but but yeah, it's wet clutch approved. Yeah. How about that? So it's got the right. There's no friction modifiers yeah. in it, but it works. That's.
4: Yeah, uh, I I found that to be amazing that Rotella is actually motorcycle oil as well. So everything from your semi to your motorcycle to your lawn So if you go if Shell you Rotella. if you go
7: on any like tuner forum, like these kids like turbocharging Hondas and stuff, you know, have big tailpipe kids and things, it, they all rave about it too. It's all they run. Like that's it. Like like they put Rotella diesel oil in their in their in their hot rod Hondas and things. <laughs> it, it it's all anybody uses. Yeah, it's it's a riot and you know again it still has zinc in it i mean it's the same as any racing oil uh we run it the car we ran at the 24 hours of of daytona this year had shell rotella 540 in it yeah
6: hey hey john you do realize that those kids that build those cars and brag about the rotella are the same ones that really think you can pee in a DEF <laughs> tank to get you to the gas truck stop. You do realize that, right? Wait a oh, minute, wait a minute. You can't? You can't? Do that? Uh,
3: what? what? What are you talking about? <laughs>
4: oh, no. Shoot. I mean, sometimes I gotta you got to consider a, the source, right? so okay? You, you're Joel, you're saying well. we got to have another meeting, Joel, now that we I, find out you can't do this. Uh,
3: I got to take the hose and funnel out of the truck. What? Oh, man. Well, you know, got
7: those guys carrying their, carrying their little P-bombs around, you know, so they get rid, them, get rid of them, throw them out the window at the truck uh, stop.
3: That's right. We just drilled a hole through the floor, <laughs> run a hose up to the DEF tank, and put a funnel on it. And well, That's how I'm getting 400 miles to a gallon on DEF right there, my friends.
6: <laughs> I, I well, do not shit in my truck. I shit under my truck.
0: <laughs> hey, Hey, Joel. Uh-huh. Joel, I can help you out here. If okay. You, if you put brain octane in your coffee every morning, your urine becomes even more powerful.
3: Oh. So there you, okay. I'm going to give her a shot out I'll report back I, on I that. So, right. Joel... <laughs>
4: Uh-huh. I, I guess we're going to have to quit collecting all those bottles we find now. Ah <laughs> oh,
3: man. Man.
2: <laughs>
3: I
4: just, Kevin, I you have know got the work. best space on Twitter right now, let me tell you.
6: <laughs> and for those of you guys, listen, y'all, if you ain't following Kevin and these guys, you guys are wrong. You need to follow these guys.
0: We're <laughs> scooping it, it's off. It's good to man. be back. Yeah, it's good to be back. <sighs> Wow! What what what's the saying? We're so back. We're so back. <laughs> We're so back. Is that a commodity? I think so. I think so. I mean, it had to be asked. And to think, it was all just technical difficulties that forced us into Spaces this morning. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
4: Revelations wow. that are coming about today. This
7: this is my uh, right. my my first my first visit on Spaces. I've not made a uh, Spaces
0: visit yet, so. It well, shows how you, long I've been away. You know what's really cool about this? We might be the only ones doing this. I'm not even sure if it's completely legal, but nobody said anything yet. So um, even though we're on Twitter spaces, this is being broadcast live on our app right now. Okay. So the same app that you can listen to our live show on every day when we do a space, you can listen to the space live. You can't call in. That's the only difference. In order to talk, you would have to be in the Twitter space itself. But people who want to listen are just listening on the app right now, and then it's recorded, and you can go back and listen to them on the app. Wow.
3: We're really offending a lot of people today then, aren't we? <laughs> That's right.
0: And and so far, I haven't gotten, like, a cease and desist letter from Elon Musk, so I guess I'm okay. Give them time. Yeah,
7: give him time. Yeah, give it time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. this year I uh, – I'm just going to tell some stories, not really stories, but uh, I, I, I had the honor of, uh, I'm going a whole other direction here, I'm going back to Europe. When I went over for the World sure. Finals this year, I was in a, at a racetrack called Mugello, which is just outside of, uh, of Florence, and got to stay in Florence for nearly two weeks. Uh, we did some testing, and then we had, had our race that week, but in between the testing and the race week, I was invited to tour the uh, Ferrari factory. So I was uh, invited on a, a factory tour. I got to see the test track there at Fiorano. I also got to uh, tour the Formula One shop, which was amazing, and uh, where they build the uh, uh, the endurance cars as well. It was it was unreal. Uh, just uh, it was definitely uh, it was an honor. Like it was not everybody gets to do it. You know, some you know super wealthy guys who want to order a new car get to fly over and do that, but it's not like. Uh, yeah, not many people get to see it, the, the inner workings of a of a factory like that. It was pretty amazing.
3: You'll probably know this, John. Which which Italian company had the test track on the roof of the their manufacturing facility? Was it Fiat? No, it
7: was Alfa Romeo. That was Alfa.
3: Was it Alfa? I Alpha, knew one yeah. of them did. Yeah, yeah, they built the test track right on, on top, top of the of the building. It was that was that was right right on top of the building. Yeah, I've not made it to Milan yet. I'd like to. I'd like to
7: get get there next time I'm over there. But it was pretty amazing.
3: I'm heading over in August for two weeks, but I'm I'm going up to Gothenburg, obviously, to Sweden, and hang out with the Volvo Advanced Engineering people. But that yeah, that ought to be interesting too. I get to go through similar to what you did. I'm going to get to go through all the the stuff that nobody gets to see on the Advanced Engineering side, and get to drive some stuff, and and uh, so it ought to be cool. interesting.
4: Yeah. yeah. What what I always think of, John, when you start talking about that in the endurance racing in Ferrari and you know the Ferrari versus yep. Ford movie and all that. But I'm just picturing in America when they have the meeting that they're going to do that. <laughs> It, it's got to be Bob. What the biggest motor we got here? <laughs> well, we got this truck engine. <laughs> you know, they they done it with the Viper, put oh, the yeah, 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 in yeah, it, yeah, You know, yeah, what, what yeah. Is, America, what what we got? We got this seven liter over here. That ought to work. Well, it won't fit. We'll make it fit. Hey,
7: they they beat him once, but yeah, it was or uh, well, maybe three times. I guess it was with that thing when they, were, they went one two or three times. I think it was. I need to look look at that history.
4: I, I was really lucky. I used to get my camshafts ground by Larry Wallace, uh-huh. and Larry Wallace worked in the old Holman Moody building that was at the end of the airport in Charlotte. Yep. It's gone now. yep. But it was like a time capsule from like 1968 when you went in there. And at the <laughs> time when I was there, they were building brand new GT40s for like Arab sheiks and stuff there out of leftover parts with a lot of the original people that built the original ones. So and how cool that was to be right there.
7: So there, one of those cars is here in Pittsburgh. There's a Mark IV GT40 big block uh, that lives here in Pittsburgh. It's yellow, and they call it. You know, it was built. We we do what we call in racing called life parts. You know that, like it's it's whether it's bad or not, you take it off after so many miles. So these guys, you know, that you know after a 24 hour, they would like life the upright castings. You just change them whether they're cracked or not. Uh, so. So they had shelves and shelves of that stuff. And you're correct. They built them from some sheiks and things, but some of those cars stayed in the States and they call them part shelf cars or they call them you know, they're built from life racing parts. And uh, you know, you could get a tub from whoever I think Lola actually built that tub over in England and then they, they put everything else together at Holman Moody and sold the cars off. Yep, that's that's that there's one of those here. I, I have I have direct experience with one of those uh, cars that were made from the lifed parts.
4: What a wow, privilege nice. to walk around in that building that not everybody oh, man. did. More more, more race people should have got to walk around in that before it got tore down. And Big Red, the turbine truck, was in there, too. Oh, really? <laughs> did, cool. did you ever hear how Holman <laughs> Moody ended up with that?
7: No. No, I did not. I've seen many
4: pictures so of So they it. were at, Atlanta, at the old Atlanta truck show, right? And to be in the show, you had to drain all the fluids out of the truck. And the person that came to pick it up started it up without fluids in it. So they told it to Holman Moody's because they had a racing agreement with them. Well, when Ford canceled the racing agreement with Holman Moody, the agreement was everything that you have in your position, you just keep. They forgot the truck was there, and they wouldn't let them have it back. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. That was the short version of it, but yeah. yeah. There's probably a little bit more to it than that, but still, that's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah, what, what a shop, what a history that's in there. I was there where the one dyno blew up with nitromethane and had a big hole in the floor. Wow. I mean, the amount of history that happened in there just... And there was unfinished old NASCAR cars in there that just were never done. Just did never, never finished them. Or they... they... It, pit, the pit boards, all that stuff was in there. And I remember just hanging like it was nothing. There was a set of 427 single overhead cam valve covers just hanging on the wall like they were nothing. <laughs> And imagine
7: what that shit's worth today it's crazy
4: oh my god yeah what, what a place to go in but that's where, that's where i used to get all my cam chefs ground
0: over there hey we can uh we can continue this conversation we're going to but i'm also going to open this up if anybody's got any questions at all jump in and request to be a speaker we'll bring you in um You've got an awful lot of brain power here today. We could answer just about anything you've got—trucking specs, fuel mileage, business—you name it. Uh, so, if you want to ask a question, or if you've got a comment or another topic you want to talk about, jump in and request to be a speaker, and we'll do that. Otherwise, we'll just uh, we'll just continue telling stories.
5: Hey, Kev, I I, if I could. I wanted to ask Joel something real quick. Sure. Um, hey, I have a I had a buddy who's a. Uh, heavy tow truck guy in massachusetts uh they had yep. a jackknife across the highway with a volvo truck uh the police department was get it off my highway open this back up he picked yep. up the front end straightened it, it out towed um, it and didn't
3: disconnect the drive shaft
5: well he straightened it out he didn't it's not that he yep. didn't disconnect it he just straightened it back out and then mm-hmm. they they came to him and said uh Six inches tears apart the eye shift.
3: Ah, bullshit, bullshit. No, it's not
4: that. It's not that. It, it, it,
3: I mean, I mean, a uh, hundred feet, yeah. It's, it's like, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> by, by so, the same, yeah.
4: same thing with the DT12 on the Detroit side too. Yes. I don't know about the Endurance. Yeah, they were basically trying to tell the insurance
5: adjuster says basically if you move that even even six inches, you, you're going to tear that eye shift apart. And well, I said, there well, is. I don't, a, I don't think it's that bad, but
3: no. it, it is not that bad. But they do stress that in in the owner's manual, and a lot of trucks, fleet trucks, have a big old sticker up by the tow hook that says, "Do not move under any circumstance." Yada yada yada. But no, it, it's it takes a little bit, but don't well, they, don't go far.
4: And and they don't go far into it. If you have the engine idling, it's not a problem.
3: Correct. Yes, as long as it's pumping oil.
4: That's that's right. Yep. All right, cool. I so appreciate you, so it. So, if you I'll needed to move the... it farther, keep the engine running because yeah, the input shaft turns the oil pump in it to keep everything lubricated. That's perfect.
5: I will. Uh, I will pass that on. I'm sure he'll appreciate it because they they were trying to stick him for quite a big bill for that transmission. So, oh, I
4: can imagine.
5: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely.
4: No, it's not that short just turning the gears a couple of times isn't a deal if you try to really go with it yeah now you're turning some things that aren't lubricated and bad things happen on either one hey i I see
0: this i see this as a potential competitive advantage for you don't help him and you go out and buy a big wrecker (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
5: uh, he, he's a good guy and help, 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 me, uh, help me get to where I am I'm, you know, I'm a loyal guy unfortunately
4: uh-huh. <laughs> I, I'll never forget I was at Hickory Freightliner when these automated manual Detroit's just came out and they towed one in like 50 miles without taking the drive shaft off uh-huh. and the smell that was in that shop it smelled, uh-huh. you, you, you know like an old machine shop with the, the burnt cutting oil that's what uh-huh. it's not like, you know, yep. talking about smells that John would be familiar yep.
0: with. it's hey, Henry, like, it. Yeah. Isn't, isn't automated manual like an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp? No. <laughs> <laughs> it sure sounds like it to me. <laughs> no. Because it's not an automatic. So I, I know. I know. But when you just said that, it struck me as, wait a minute. That That's like an oxymoron. How can it be an automated manual? It's not a manual anymore.
4: Well, it's it, automated. It's, well, yeah, it is. With the
0: flip of a button, it's a manual.
3: Well, I don't know anything about oxymorons. I know I'm a moron out in social media, but I don't. I don't know about the oxy part. So what? We'll just go with it. Yeah, I,
4: I, I think that's like OxyClean. If you buy it today, what's well oh, wait, that's Billy. That's Billy May. Hey, so I, wait, I, have, I have another
2: quick. I have another quick
7: funny story that relates to the, our our. our or last question, or our last uh, comment there. Uh, so I, I belong to the local Elks Club on, on the north side of Pittsburgh, and there's a group of guys there who are into racing to some degree, and built what's called a lemon's car like 10 years ago. Oh, I want to do that! Right? So they built it out of this old Mercedes wagon. It's a 84 uh-huh. Mercedes 300d 300 TD and uh, you know they nice. put a cage in it gutted yeah. it like it, it's not bad I think it's going to be good but it's been sitting for over five years. In a garage behind the club, they lost storage on it. Well, now it's here, and it's only here because I'm like, I really wouldn't mind doing a lemons race next year myself. (laughs) And uh, we could have work parties. Oh, that is awesome. And we'll drink beer and spend no money, and we'll hack and grind and cut and make stuff out of wood or whatever to make it. Because, you know, they're supposed to be like a $500 claimer roll on these cars. So I didn't have an open table. I didn't feel like hooking up to, to to the gooseneck to haul it in that. But I have a little car dolly. So I'm like, I stick the car dolly on. I go to the garage where the car was. We air up the tires. We roll it onto the dolly. It appears to be in neutral. Now, keep in mind, this old Ben's thing hasn't run in over five years. Well, evidently, I guess it wasn't in neutral. So I, I, I get about 10 miles from where I'm going, and I get it stops. I Stop, <laughs> and, like, something feels weird back there. And I didn't have room to put it inside, so I wanted to stop at Home Depot and get a tarp. And you, you guys know what happened. So I get to pull into Home Depot and turn my truck off, and and, and my Dodge doesn't know it's back there. I've got that my Keep, five nine keeps with, out of going with, with the manual. So I turn my truck off and I hear a nice that nice little sound of a Mercedes diesel running. And meanwhile, it's got no battery in it, nothing. I mean, it's like it's, it's just like, like the, oh man, the started itself. So we wow. it over put the clutch or the, the shifter cable in didn't quite get it. Uh, you know, neutral was evidently drive, and uh, yeah. <laughs> it it sounded fantastic. Wow! So, but yeah, so it started itself it, it, somehow.
6: Yeah. So automatic scan bump start, I guess.
7: <laughs> it, 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 so, it. so my
6: buddy had an old Dodge start that you could start as a sixty some auto Dodge, right. and it had the push button uh, shifter on the dash, and and you you can actually roll start that car at about thirty mile an hour. If you can get it up, oh. you're going down a hill at twenty to five thirty mile an hour, it would roll start. Oh wow! Wow, yeah, that's weird. And,
4: I saw this movie about this car. If you got it to 88 mile an hour? You can switch time. Switch zone. time? And
2: I'll
4: tell you another thing cool about that car. We run that
6: son of a bitch for a month with a hole in the side of the block on five cylinders.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Joel, on a serious note. Okay. Tell us about the uh, electrified trailer.
3: Oh, okay. Sure. Um these guys it's a cool little group of guys out there at range energy um google has money into range and these are a bunch of engineers some were from honda it's when you go out there their little shop is situated between the google campus and nasa and they've got two or three nasa engineers working there some part-time some full-time some ex honda guys some nissan guys some toyota guy it's would remind me of like, you know, with John, with the, with the racing group, these are a real close knit bunch yep. of guys. And what they're trying to do is they are trying to, and I got to give them credit on this. So they understand the whole moment of inertia and trying to get as much rollout as you can without closing the window up with regenerative braking but yet they want to be able to use the braking when it makes sense. So they're developing an algorithm that's going to say, okay, there's this much weight, there's this much grade, we're going to roll this far before we regenerative brake, and we're only going to bump horsepower as necessary on grade. So that is a misleading number when they say it has two or 300 miles of range. This is not a full-time thing. This thing only bumps when necessary when you're coming up hills and – and it has a major impact on your fuel because then oh, you, yeah. you can really aggressively downspeed a truck because the horsepower demand is just not there. And it's kind of like a locomotive at that point. You can just run a nice, constant, smooth RPM. So it is designed to work with a internal combustion engine, and they've really done a nice job on that moment of inertia and how to bump things. And they're still obviously working it out. Um, The Kingpin technology is extremely cool. When you go into their shop, they've got like a 25-foot uh gooseneck trailer that they adapted this kingpin technology to and you have this little looks like a two-wheel cart that's hooked to it and you can push that 25 foot trailer with a load around with your finger and completely control it that thing will not overrun you i mean they've done a hell of a good job they've done a lot of cool things it is not ready for prime time it won't be for some time but just a great bunch of guys and um they want me to demo it when they have it ready to to go and they want me to take it on mm-hmm. a cross country trip. I, I don't know when that's gonna be. You know, maybe they never make it, who knows? But um pretty pretty damn cool trailer. So imagine well, how that would like-
4: imagine how that would work with the Australian uh, truck train
3: oh uh, yeah well see and 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 here's the thing henry i i talked to a, a german group several years ago and i had posted some stuff about it that was doing a very similar thing and they they wanted to build me a trailer over here the kind of way and put it behind the truck but when they got running our terrain they said you're too damn flat over there we don't get enough regenerative right. braking this doesn't yep. make sense right in right. america it works great in europe but they can't build the case over here for it. And so these guys saw that and they understood that, okay, we're, we still need a roll window. We just can't regenerative brake without thinking about the roll window and moment of inertia and, and all those types of things. So they're just a really cool bunch of guys. I love going out there. I don't know if they're going to make it or not, but it's it's uh, it's a cool project for sure. So it hey, worked well in West
7: Virginia. Virginia. Do
3: you uh, that- do you
7: guys remember the whole Hylion mm-hmm. thing started as a power trailer, axle? We 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 sure, test, yeah. tested yeah. it at uh, yeah. exactly what you're talking about. It was yep. uh, it, it it makes a ton of sense, and I think, like I said, I think hybrids being skipped way too fast. Uh, you do see You do see the highly on stuff it out is. there working, and you know, my argument for EV or hybrid or you know, even like the Nikola so thing listen, with the let's
3: uh, listen to this shit. Yeah, uh, and I, I probably I don't know if I should throw this out there or not, but I'm going to because it pissed me off. So I had an idea for um a mild hybrid front wheel drive system for a truck mm-hmm. cuz i thought what better way to do it than put it on the front where you have a constant load on the tires yada 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 we'll put some hub motors in there so i i go to a company that i trusted talk to them for a little bit and they're like oh no no, that'll never work. That'll never work. Six months later, that company in China comes out with a freaking electric front wheel. Drive. No way! I, I was like, "Oh, you sons no. of bitches!" Sold will be under on. the table. Yeah, I was. I wasn't happy. Oh, I, I, I no, wasn't me, happy. Uh, wait, you, I just saw.
7: I was at the PRI show this weekend, and and I just saw our buddy, uh, our buddy Brad from Fast is uh, set up there. He has the world's first ever EGR filter. He's trying to
3: sell.
2: <laughs> oh I don't you just
3: that. love that Stanford, yeah yeah I, I, <laughs> I, yeah fuck that guy No Dad, yeah. I I, <laughs> I I thought maybe maybe you were uh maybe you're working for him now <laughs> I thought well Ferrari fast you know yeah, it all yeah, kind of sounds the same yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You
4: know I think it's exciting right now because to me about everything's on the table yet you know, what an exciting time of what technology is going to win. The one that I keep waiting to come back is nobody's talking about external combustion anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that efficient, no.
7: unfortunately. <laughs> it is in it's some so- ways. <laughs> take that back because the uh, external combustion, I don't know if you followed the right speed stuff. That guy went out of business, but he was really smart. He might still be doing some stuff. Ian Wright's his name. He's an ex-Tesla engineer. And he had yes. an electrified axle that was really nice. So it had a two-speed electrified yes, axle, yes. Uh, garbage trucks, yep. buses, some other things. And yep. he did a range extender It was basically the APU out of the back of the jet. So, so you've got, your, you've got yep. your external combustion there running a generator. So it could generate its own electricity. No, no, no. And, and
4: no, no, I'm not thinking that way. I'm thinking like a steam <laughs> engine. <laughs> All right, so I guess I guess the
7: jet engine is still kind of internal, but yeah,
3: yeah. Huh. You're talking the same setup that was on the Leclerc main battle tank, where they had basically a huge turbo, where they put a spark plug in it and pour diesel fuel yeah. to it, so they could shut the main engine off. Keep all the systems powered up, and yeah, they use that for a lot of years on that that French design. Really cool looking engine, yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. So you,
7: you can find some wacky kids on YouTube who build turbine engines out of turbochargers. They get an old turbocharger from a junkyard, and they they spray mm-hmm. they sure. some gasoline and put a put a put a spark plug on it, and just let it sit there and spin around to make noise. It's kind of cool.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
7: yeah. Well, I hey,
4: saw one. Hey, he, just he did it off a fifty-five gallon drum made a turbocharged burn barrel. <laughs> 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 and, and, and that thing was howling.
3: I can imagine. Yeah. So I've got a, uh, a set of videos I've done with Jason Morgan uh, at Fleet Equipment Magazine on a fuel efficiency challenge. I don't know if any of you guys saw any of these yet. You can find them out on YouTube. But they put me in the Volvo uh, VN launch truck that they launched the VN series here in the United States. They still had the truck. And it had the, <laughs> the Volvo transmission in it, a fully synchronized 14-speed manual. And uh, it was a direct drive, and it had, like, 279 rear end gears back then. Mm-hmm.
4: That was tall was, then. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, this was like a, a, a 96. And, uh, of course, it had the D12 in it and stuff. And we run it head-to-head against against my truck, and we put yeah. Jason in my truck, and I took the damn old old VN with that backwards 14-speed and I'll tell you what, man, that was a challenge to shift that thing because it was exactly—it was a three-speed, three or four times, and it was kind of backwards on the shift pattern. Oh my God, what a what a nightmare! <laughs> it was it was it was difficult to deal with. But um, that old son of a gun done eight like six miles per gallon on on the round that that we ran, and I think Jason was right at nine something. So it done it done really well, but direct Maybe. drive and fully synchronized, and the two seventy nine rear end gears back in ninety right, right. six. That's, that's, that's pretty impressive. You posted
7: a picture of that, didn't you? I think I saw you. you did so yeah, a few months yep. ago.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. The videos are out. It's kind of cool. Jason went through and got his driver's license. He he wasn't a CDL holder, and he videoed mm-hmm. the whole thing. And you know, literally, brand new driver comes out, gets on the new tech, and you know can me up big time and I, I mean it was a challenge for me to shift but i'd done everything right i got every ounce of fuel efficiency you were gonna get out of that damn truck and
0: the new truck just blows it away i mean <laughs> it ain't even close
3: and there's yeah. just nothing you hey,
0: can do about it hey, uh, hey, it, hey joel uh-huh I- I, I was rooting for you, but I knew you weren't going to win. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I, there
0: was no way that that was going to
3: happen. I was like, okay, you're going to put me to the situation here. But uh, what a what a great way to demonstrate it, though, because yeah. we, we, we yeah, still get fun. so many guys that are like, well, my, my 3406, whatever, whatever, gets 28 miles to the <laughs> gallon. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. My old thermo At 85 miles an hour. John, why I got you here, and Kevin, you're going to appreciate this, and Henry, I think you will too. So there's been a lot of kind of discussion about engine architecture that Kevin likes to bring up a lot, and, you know, when we start to look at the the detroit and the volvo where we have a relatively short stroke with a very long connecting rod where we're not thrust loading the piston relatively heavy cranks a lot of journal overlap both those engines seem to went into that direction where the cummins and the pack are seem to have went lighter weight in the crankshaft they went with a longer stroke a, a shorter rod they've got some thrust loading the piston but they got that faster acceleration away from top dead center do you have any thoughts on the 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 divergence here between the two? I, I obviously, you know, I'm a Volvo guy, and, and I like the big heavy-duty design. I understand that there's probably some advantages to the lighter weight crank and and that the way the connecting rod geometry is working. And I just wondered if, if you had any thoughts and could maybe expand on it a little bit. Oh, I,
7: I, I've got some opinions on this, yeah. Uh, those are both. The, the Packard MX, anyway, is a very old engine. Uh, and, and thinking back then was the, the shorter, stronger-looking connecting rod. But it's loaded so mm-hmm. much heavier that it, that it just was the way that they were going back then. And both of those manufacturers have just simply been polishing the same turd for so long that that's just what they're doing mm-hmm. uh, rather than redesign an engine. Now, Packard does have a new engine coming. I'm, I'm not at liberty to tell mm-hmm. you too much about it. Um, sure. But uh, it's not going to be like that anymore. So. Uh, well, good. Yeah, so that's, that's good, gonna good, be, good. Uh, it, it's going to be. It's going to be. I found it odd, though. It's going to be a 14 liter, though, which I thought was, was interesting. But. Uh, Kind of splitting the difference between a 13 and a 15. You got that it. Kind of yeah, makes yeah, sense, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's going to be a 14, yep. and it's uh, yeah. But again, they're 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 figuring out the downsped path, and it's going to have long rods and you know long stroke and uh, nice. short stroke and long nice. rods. Nice. So that's going to go that direction. Now, it's it's kind of funny. Like you look at norms and things that people have done and directions they've gone and and design, shall we say. Uh, you know, I've got a I've got an old Porsche nine thirty in the shop here that I'm pulling the engine out of right now. We thought it was a bad turbo, but it's got one of the cylinders just pushing oil. So the engine's coming out and I was doing some research on on the you know, cylinder kits for it. It's like a beetle, right? You just you get to get the cylinder kit and put it right. on there. Uh, it's Mala's new cylinder kits for these now have an offset pin to take
3: load off to straighten up the on, to take the thrust load on off, the, on, off the comp- the
2: pist- on, on the power
3: side not I, yeah. on the other side nice. I mean, this is
7: new i mean this is happening
3: you know in the last yeah. i don't know 10
7: years or so but you know even for that old engine that and, and piston pins were always symmetrical for who knows what reason but they just were right and if you look yeah. at that and we talk about that angle and the longer rod and so forth well if you just offset the pin a hair you you take a lot of angle out of that you take some side load off of yeah. it yeah it's 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 a big deal and, you know, one
3: so, of one of the latest updates on the on the forthcoming Volvo engine is they just relocated the pin in the piston, kind of dropped right. it down, and <laughs> moved over. So essentially offset, offset, offset it. Too. Yeah, about, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guarantee. You yeah. They yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever read the story, John, with uh, the Hudson Hornets with Smokey Eunuch where he had. Blocks that had the crank offset in them? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, crank offset's a thing. <laughs> uh, old, I'm into old sobs. You
7: know, I, I've had I had the sob 9, that old sob eight uh, motor. yeah, yeah. The, the crank yes, is offset. Yes. The crank is not the offset. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yep yeah i cool would have love to
4: sat down with Smokey eunuch wouldn't, wouldn't oh, that man. have been
7: fun john what a hero
4: yeah if, if you watched uh, oh my god there
7: was a the, the guys who do the dinners with racers podcast did a did a did a netflix thing about him that was really cool they they talked to his daughter for quite a while and it was they, they went around you know what was left of the shop and the property where it was and just told yeah. a bunch of stories it was a really neat little documentary about him
4: what a
3: so, guy just to follow up on on this i've, I've got a just a, wanted to hear your thoughts on this so so on on my on my my volvo okay we, we've got the we're going to talk about the engine architecture we got the longer rods we got the shorter stroke we got the massive journal overlap on the on the crankshaft so it's obviously we're designed to run at low low rpm Um, I can cruise down the road 800, 825 RPM all day long, no problems. We're developing enough power down there. So this leads me into the air dog thing. So we've done some some dyno testing to the degree that we could. And what we had found was we were adding about 41 pound-feet of torque between 900 and 1,100 RPM. Now, obviously, because the RPMs low, the horsepower number is minuscule, but it's 41 pound-feet of torque. And to me, when I have torque down that low, that's efficiency. Am I am I missing something in that thought process? Because we're we're adding essentially we're going from 1,850 to 1,900 foot-pounds just on that fuel system upgrade. Essentially, we're not really adding any horsepower to speak of. It's it's just torque.
7: Well, it's, it's just tightening the fuel up, man. You, you were with that low speed on that gear pump. We, we discussed this a year or two ago. Whenever we first started talking about it.
3: Sure, we were we were cavitating. Yeah. But I, 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 I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get at is when people look at that dyno chart, everybody is is they're just so accustomed to looking at horsepower, It's horsepower, 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 and it's not. It's about torque, especially in a downsped engine. Actually, horsepower is telling us that we're running too high in the RPM range, correct? Right. Yes, it is. So That's the way that we math should be works. concerned with torque. Yes, and, and I know that, that Kevin mm-hmm. Kevin, and Bruce have both had both said at one point, I don't understand why they make a 400-horsepower engine with 1,750-pound-feet of torque. Why would you do that? Exactly for the reasons we're talking about here. It's all about the power at the low end, and because we don't have RPM, the horsepower number doesn't look impressive, but that torque number is impressive as hell, and that's what gets us the efficiency. And I think that's what a ton of people miss. The first thing they do when they want to go buy like a Henry spec with a 400 or a 455, (laughs) crank it up to 505. And it's, it's absolutely worthless to do that, It's no, 100%. You never
7: be turning it fast now, enough to make that kind of power. It shouldn't matter. Yeah, no, right, exactly, yeah, e- yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. And, in fact, the way that I'm geared, you can't turn the engine right. fast enough to make that horsepower. Right, yeah. So you, you have to have a huge torque number down low, like 1,900 or 2,000 foot-pounds. And this is what the, the air dog was, is, is doing, essentially, but just trying to – make that point so people can understand it. And I'm thinking, okay, John's well, got some words of wisdom here. That's going to, you know, demonstrate what's happening what here.
7: What the AirDog does in that little post that you just made there this week shows it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really is. It just, like I said, it, it gives you the ability to run that low. Now, now, could Volvo design a better gear pump to feed things at that speed or maybe put a multiplier on it or be able to do something there to keep that from happening? Maybe. But with what you're working with mm-hmm. there, you know, to me, I don't want to say the air dog's a Band-Aid, but it definitely helps and it gives you that capability. Um, sure. So it, it, it does that for sure. So it actually works. It does exactly what you needed to do to, to, to find that torque down there at that RPM. So Because otherwise, yeah. otherwise, you were starving. You probably weren't.
3: Yes, yeah. just... Well, it, you get some funky vibrations yeah. if you're not running the air dog. When you drop her sub 900, you know it starts to it starts to buck and give you some yeah. fits. With the air dog on, you know 800 yeah. rpm, it'll run and it's just smooth as smooth can be. Yeah. So, hey, but just trying to make hey, the Joel. point, it really is about torque and not horsepower. So often we hear horsepower is money in the bank. It is not. Horsepower is parasitic drag and how fast you're burning fuel. You know, because hey. that's how fast that piston's moving. It's it's all about the push well, and, on the and piston, pumping, not how fast the piston's
7: moving. Well and, and, and yes. yes. More stress yes. on your, hey. your
0: uh, emission system. Yeah, everything. Yep.
7: Well, well,
0: hey, yep. Joel. Uh-huh. I'll go back because you, you want to know the history of this. The very first time Bruce called my show, and it was about two months after I started my own show, uh-huh. and I, I'm still kind of nervous, and I'm doing my own show at night, and I sit down to to start my show, and I am clearly aware of who Bruce Mallinson is and his reputation, but I, I've never really talked to him. Uh-huh. So I look up on the board, and my first caller is Bruce Mallinson. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, why is he calling my show? <laughs> you know why he was calling? Uh, uh, the, uh, Be- I uh, I, I was telling people not to turn up their trucks. I wish I could have explained it the way I understand it now. Right. But he, all of his Pete, all all of his followers and people were going, "You've got to call this guy straight <laughs> He's got this all wrong. <laughs> He's telling everybody don't turn I, their trucks I, up." And, I, 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 I think I, Maggie was so that was how. That
4: program, our, Maggie was pretty big behind getting Bruce to call in, if I remember right.
0: She, she probably was at the time. Yeah, so uh, that was how this whole thing got started. But we found out that we agreed on much more than we disagreed on.
3: And I, yeah, I hundred I, percent I get and understand that. And, and I'm not I'm not kicking kicking Bruce in the ass just per but just because we do hear that and back in the day when an engine didn't make horsepower till about 1800 rpm you know i guess there is some reasoning or a a thought process behind it that kind of makes sense um i I guess the point that i want to make today you know we're able to make 420 horsepower down at you know 990 rpm. So you really don't want to be turning the engine up and and uh, well, um, you know the the mm -hmm.
0: other advantage you've always talked about with that, and it certainly is playing out in the real world, is the lower rpm keeps more heat in the engine, and we have fewer emissions.
4: Well, Well, on top of that, when you start talking about horsepower, how many people have seen the video of the 150 horsepower? Steam-powered case tractor pulling that record a number of plows across a field. It only has 150 horsepower. <laughs> it's got a boatload of torque, i guarantee
3: it. The torque, yes,
4: yes. And if yes. you've ever seen that video, which is, by the way, John, external combustion. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, to, I, to, I didn't think you were going back that far. <laughs> yeah,
7: right. Hey, bring
0: it all yeah. in, right? Uh absolutely might as well all right guys i i could um uh, on most weeks, I could probably do this all day because I'm having a lot of fun. But I, I just got back from a two month road trip and it's Friday and it's my first weekend off and about. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> suck,
3: suck, suck it up, Buttercup. Hey, come on. Come on. <laughs> do the uh,
0: just, so, just hey, hey, just so you know, I wanted to say this an hour ago, but I did suck it up and kept going. Yeah, there you right. go. Awesome. <laughs> I, I thought we
7: were only an hour in, I didn't realize it was two. I was I was about to say, Well, I, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce here, but we've already gone yeah, no, uh, we're, yeah we're, two hours. We're two we're two plus. Man. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, hey Kevin, I'm gonna be uh out your way seventh, eighth, ninth of uh, January. Seattle anyway. Well, I could take a ride down well, and see you. Come on over. Yeah, I'm I am gonna go to the Ferrari of Seattle Christmas party on the seventh. So uh,
0: yeah, definitely. I might come, come visit. We yeah. got a place for it. You can stay out at the farm if you I'd want. I'd like to check that out. That sounds like fun. So it, I'll be in touch. Hey, just listen yeah. to this. It's actually in the national forest. Oh, perfect. So, yeah, John, yep. just be aware.
3: We know Kevin is into nude gardening. I'd hate to see what he's doing farming,
2: so that's just
0: <laughs> just, yeah, be, doesn't, doesn't, just be doesn't, aware.
2: Doesn't
0: <laughs> yeah. my, well, that that's the whole reason I had to buy the farm, because my neighbors were complaining about my nude gardening. <laughs> <laughs> Again, <laughs> well,
3: every time you turned around, you knocked the fence it, it, down, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. John will
4: be in your garage smelling it. Well, I'll be smelling the garage. I'll be, <laughs> be tinkering on something.
0: Yeah. Hey, John, you get get this. My, the farm came with a whole bunch of cool stuff, a wood shop with all the equipment in it, but it also came with the original 1972 Ford tractor that the guy bought brand new. Oh, wow.
3: It was worth buying
7: for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, forty six horsepower.
3: Hey, don't let Ferrari know you're screwing around with a Ford. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they're over that, they don't
7: mind. You're gonna, they're, they're, they're yeah, you're gonna lose your job
3: yeah. over that, right? Yeah. And so, you know, and they,
7: they did then they did just win uh, they won one Lamar last year, so yeah, so they, they just won one recently, so they're not too worried about it. Yeah, hey, yeah. They, there you go. <laughs> so, all right,
0: cool. Uh awesome. all right,
7: well I'm gonna I guess I'll get some work done in right. the
0: shop. I'm gonna finish getting the engine out of this Porsche. So hey. Hey, John you know you're still listed as a co-host on Fridays you got to show up once I'll in have a
7: while. to I'll, I'll, do, I'll try to do more of this this is
0: too much fun I'm sorry I've been, I'm sorry I've been away
7: I did 30 we've missed I did 34 it. events this year oh wow, wow. And there's yeah wow. yeah it was 34 weekends yeah out of out of 52 for the whole year yeah and uh, the couple Ooh. times I'd been home I was either brain dead from being on the road for so long and just just couldn't couldn't do it which happens every now and then but uh, yeah it was uh, it's been a bit it's
0: a uh, that well, uh, that's what just happened with me two full months on the road without coming yeah. home. I even missed Thanksgiving.
7: Yeah. yeah, every now and then you need to sit the brakes, I guess. So
0: that was, uh, yeah,
7: regenerative yep, for sure. Awesome. You got it, regenerative. Yeah. Break. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get to talk much about that. All right, well, hey guys, it's been great. I'm gonna
0: jump off here then, too. And, uh, all right, we're gonna wrap this up. Thanks, you guys. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we, uh, we pushed through the technical difficulties and ended up here instead. Right. So, uh, We will uh, see everybody on Monday. We'll be back here live. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.